Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. The movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even black exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast. And for 10 years, we have seen a new movie and podcasted our experience to the world every week. Except on special weeks, when we go back in time. All the way back to when Real Nerds was just a twinkle in the eye of three upstart young men and their love of movies. To a time of 2011... This is Film Explosion 2011 redo for some of us. Uh, actually, just Brad and I, as as James has gone off to greener pastures. Rest in peace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll never forget the way he used to love Matthew McConaughey. I'll never forget the way he loved Mountain Dew. <laughs> His 2011 list was so shitty. <laughs> he, has, he has no chance to defend it because he's not here. He has absolutely... No good taste in anything. <laughs> and, 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 he lives, lives, lives in a new state. <laughs> and we miss him so much and that I, we're making fun of him. <laughs> I make fun of him as a coping mechanism for how much I miss him. Truth is that he had the best taste in movies out of the entire nerd faculty. Uh, but really, uh, this is the, our first, well, Brad and I, not really. We did do Nebcast and we did favorite films but film explosion wise this is a redo of our first film explosion mm-hmm. um and i've i've gotten a little older a little wiser um possibly a little dumber uh, but way more mature right yeah totally way more mature <laughs> and uh, but as i went through my list and i listened to uh the old film explosion i said man we did some things on there that we don't do anymore like give out awards um, which I might bring back for this film splo our year end film explosion, not our like uh, uh, legacy film explosions, for lack of a better word. Um, because I was like, man, we kind of did some fun things, and and now we're just like, here's movies, watch them. I miss the nerdies when we had the nerdy awards. That was, I know that was makes so me fun. feel hot, hot, hot. What kind of things were they? Because I don't remember much of uh, all about. Well, we were supposed to do this a while ago, so I listened to it a long time ago, and I don't remember. No, oh. it's like favorite performance, and we used to remember that it was different. 
Yeah, it's just yeah. different. But you know, times change. I've changed. Um, the world has changed. I feel it in the water. But whilst we lost one person, two people can kind of make up for him. Um, Cut off one nerd's head, two more shall take its <laughs> yes, place. We're, we're like the Hydra. <laughs> it would have been three, but that person only gave us a top three. And I know. Didn't want to be here. I can't believe it. She, just like when we did our top 100 films, and she's she's sent me a list of like 50. I, I go. It just it just reeks of being lazy and not caring. I don't get it because between 2010 and 2012, you have a solid slate. Oh, no, I think 2011 is pretty fun. It is. It's. I still think that 2012 takes the cake for the most like solid selections, but 2011 comes pretty damn close. It was hard, and I actually. I don't know how much your lists have changed, but I did make yeah. a top 10 or a top 15, actually, when I was in film school. And there are certain selections that are removed for various reasons. Um, but uh, I was surprised to see how little of my list had changed in terms of like stuff that I definitely wanted in there. So, uh, No, mine changed a little bit. Um, Henry, you're still in film school-ish, kind of, because you're in New York. So Yeah, um, it's basically a film school city. It is, totally. And since you're the most pretentious person, how many French films did you have on your list? Around 14. Mm. Uh, had to pare down. So number yeah. seven is really three films that come in a series of four. And so I think so you only have kind of, uh, a of, of French films. That's a little in French. <laughs> uh, Ryan, fun fact, I took French for like seven years. Je parle français un peu. I used to be really good yeah. at it. Not anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I took six, six years of Spanish. I can read it. I can't speak it. <laughs> That's good. So if I go to Mexico, I'll take you with me. Yeah. I'll be like, hey, where are we going? This way. And then someone will come up to you and you go, okay. I'll read signage <laughs> for you. Um, yeah. But yes. yeah, Henry, thanks for coming on. Of course. I'm very excited. Sorry I was a little late. For some reason, there's always traffic on Sundays going down I-70. I don't know. Uh, church. Oh, that's right. The churchies. Yeah, 9 a.m. Yeah. What kind of a word is that? The churchies? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ain't that special. Um, if you've never listened to a film explosion, we each have compiled a list of 10 films. Nobody knows what films they are. Unless you're Korean, you only do three because you're lazy. Um, Brad is the only one who knows what these uh, lists are. Because and, I make a Blu-ray of uh, the trailers so we can watch all the obscure ones that... Henry picks. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, um, and kudos to Henry, because when he sends me his list, he also sends me the YouTube trailer, so I don't have to go search for him. So thank you, Henry. Listen, I understand that some of my picks have not existed in a physical form since 2003. And so I understand that I have to give you what I think might be a good representation of it. And I often do try to pick the ones that do not have foreign language in them, uh, because I feel like the listeners would not appreciate that. And so Yeah, I used to be a purist, and I'd pull the, like, the trailers that you know the country probably saw that they're in. But then I realized, like, listening to the episodes, I was like, oh, I probably should put the English one in there because uh, it's just music. <laughs> uh, you know, when we were doing the Into the Void trailer, when I was listening to it again, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot how <laughs> fucking awful this was. And I remember I uh, when I put on Twitter about Into the Void and I was saying how stupid it is, it got someone's like, hey, man, don't even talk about that. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Um, also, I like to point out because uh, for some reason 
uh, a little blowback every once in a while is these aren't critical favorites. Um, these are my favorites. Um, yeah, we're not the AFI here. Yeah, <laughs> I, we're the RFI, Real Fancy Institute. The Real Film Institute. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You had the yeah. one. It's the 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 F word was right there. I wanted to say <laughs> fuck, but you know. Oh, the Real Fuck Institute. That's <laughs> yeah. a different organization. <laughs> the Real Fucking Institute. <laughs> <laughs> This is really fucking real. That's that, that's where James started to work, right? The real fuck institute. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's our it's our personal favorites, and you know that that scale of quality is going to vary quite a bit. Yeah, and of course, my list will be the best, and everybody else will be. Everyone will say, huh? And then when they hear my list, they'll go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's a long episode. Uh, I don't think we need any more introductions. I think everybody knows us by now. If they don't, I don't care. Brad, Zach, Henry, welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My name's Henry, and I love popcorn. <laughs> I do. I do too. I went to Hi, uh, Henry. <laughs> just a quick side note: Have you been to the Harkins Theater in Arvada lately? Mm. It is so nice. Like they redid the whole interior, and it's like full recliners. Um, I saw Resident Evil, and I was the only one in the theater at 11 o'clock in the morning. Ooh. I was alone for my screening, too. <laughs> I was like, this is so nice. We- <laughs> and Ma- their popcorn's really good there. Malia and I also had an empty theater for Resident Evil at the South Glen. Mm-hmm. Is it just that we all got lucky with that movie where like nobody else well, wanted to go? <laughs> see, there. so for movies like that, I don't want to go to uh, Belmar or... Um, I don't want to go, you know, seven or eight o'clock at night because then it'll be the people saying, "Don't go in there," <laughs> and I, I just can't, I just can't handle it. I don't mind people cheering in movies and things like that, but I don't like when they talk back to the. I uh, know it's weird. I don't like when they talk like the to commentary. the characters. Yeah, yeah, like the characters can hear them. Um, but yeah, I went to the Harkins. Um, I think it was the last theater I went to before COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Like it, it was nice when I was there, but I don't know if they updated it since. I don't know. Like I, I haven't been there in a while, but yeah. they have full recliner seats. Like the the rows are really wide, and it's nice. I'm excited for Littleton to open the Alamo because they replaced all their seats too. So yeah, I think they're getting the Westminster single table. Yeah, that's recliners. nice. So. I hope because that was always weird. I always thought it was weird when I was at the Alamo and I'd be the only one in the row, and then someone sat right next to me, and I'd have to share a table with them. That happened to me when the dead don't. When I saw the dead don't die, I go, really, dude? There's a whole other row. All right. But that's you... a scary movie. It's good to have someone to hold your hand. True. A scary movie. <laughs> scary bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, two, 2011. What, what were you guys doing? What was, what was life like for you guys? Life was a simpler time. Hmm. Well, I, I just w- got married. Ooh. Mm. Oh, that's true. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I've been married for 10 years. I'm old as fuck. Brad was journeying the world. No, I was here. No, okay, Damien. The, the dreams I have for your life don't measure up to what I see in actual life. So no, neither mine. I'll, I'll keep dreaming. <laughs> um, I was in film school, um, second year, and it was still I was still working at the movie theater. So all of my films I saw in a first run theater, um, and and one of them actually uh, involves technically what would have been our first encounter had I known about you guys because of a certain uh, theatrical screening of a certain movie at a certain theater that is not a traditional theater. It's a Paramount theater. Um, uh, you'll find out when we get to that. But um, it's also a time when I was into a couple of filmmakers that sadly will not 
be making this newer version of the list. And I tried to find my original list, but I can tell you that uh, Midnight in Paris is no longer on that list. So, um, what, what do you mean it's not on there anymore? <laughs> I make these great movies, and you don't you don't watch them? Is John Travolta? Uh, it's Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I will be honest. I, I will be honest. Uh, that's a movie that I very much enjoyed, and I do own, but I haven't gone back to it, especially within the last couple of years. So um, these other movies that are on my list, I go back to way more often. So, um, but that being said, though, this is an interesting film uh, year for filmmakers testing new grounds because you have Kevin Smith um, going into different territory with Red State. But you also have like somebody like Martin Scorsese coming out with a kids movie, so it's like the 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 rules are almost like flipping around in reverse. So, um, but yeah, it's I can't wait to talk about this year. So, Henry, where were you in 2011? I was 15 years old and smuggling cocaine out of Colombia. Knew it. Uh, I knew it. Sicario, based on Henry's life. All right, book him, Frost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Statue of Limitation. I haven't done this in over 300 days. <laughs> Over three hundred. <laughs> Ryan, is that true? Uh, not on felonies, no. <laughs> Henry the Mule. That's Can't not stop true. Me. Henry's I'm not invincible. ninety years old. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, do me a favor and grumble about these kids today in a Clint Eastwood voice. Uh, kids these days don't know how cocaine works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my twenty eleven. I was just starting a podcast. Yeah, well, a new podcast. What's the podcast called? This one? This one? <laughs> this one? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I was nice. trying to figure out what it was like to be married and have a ball and chain chat shackled to you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you love your wife. Oh, no. I, I, I love being married. <laughs> I was trying to think of ways to get out of going to my friend's wedding. <laughs> oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, what? You fucking asshole. <laughs> um, I, I do love that Kellen's really into Rayman. It's one of my most favorite games that's kind of an underground you know, no, it's not, a, I do. Adventure game. I played Rayman on the PlayStation. Yeah, no, Rayman's yeah. great, but it's you know kind I, of a lesser known. I was always trying to wonder where his joints were. Yeah. He didn't have. He, does, he doesn't need them. Ryan, Ryan, he doesn't have any joints. He's a fucking freak. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, lives, he lives life on the edge. <laughs> Fuck that Rayman freak. <laughs> so um, let's uh, let's start this countdown with uh, obviously Brad put himself first because. He made the DVD, so we have to listen to Brad talk about his movies. You know what? Don't give Brad too much shit because I technically fucked him over this year, big time. So, oh, I don't know. I put myself first so I could fuck everyone else over. Yeah, oh, you're a sack of shit. <laughs> so, are we doing this? Yep. Yeah, I'm waiting for you. All right. Uh, yeah, my number eleven or my number ten is. Ooh. So yeah, I stayed up last night making the Van Damme Blu-ray. And uh, so I'm a little out of it, and uh, I sh- probably should have brought my list first because I can't remember what my new number ten actually is right now. So I'm just going to stall a bit, and let's see here. Here we go. Uh, yeah, my number ten is this. <laughs> you have cancer. They found it yesterday. They found it yesterday. Who found it? My cleaning lady found it in the back of my jeans. Who do you think found it? You young. Young people beat cancer all the time. Every celebrity beats cancer. Dr. Dexter, Lance Armstrong, he keeps getting it. Oh, so you're my shrink. How old are you? 24. So what are you like, Doogie Howser? Who? Teenage doctor. Does he work here? I'm moving in. No, mom, no. I'm it's your brother, right. Adam. Wait, exactly. Don't do it! I, I like, thought you said you liked to do it. Look weird. Come on, let's just do it. What do you use this for? Body trimmer, so... 
What is that? Sad. What, what's going on? Um, she's probably having a nervous breakdown. What are your chances? It said 50-50. It's not that bad. If you were a casino game, you'd have the best odds. Everybody's gotta live. You really think that a girl's gonna go for me just because I have cancer? For the millionth time, yes! I have cancer. I was wrong. Nice it was, it was weird. It's yeah, weird like that. Yeah, that's it's not, too it, soon. it doesn't sound cool. 50-50. Nice head. Can I touch it? You can do more than touch oh, yeah. it. Yeah, my number 10 is 50-50. It's dropped a few spots since last time. Um, and yeah, I just remember it being a... I haven't watched it in a while, but I remember it being a fun comedy about a really dark subject. Um, they have the right actors to pull it off. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was always impressed with like the both sidesing of... You know, when you watch the movie, uh, you know, his first girlfriend seems pretty awful when you realize like what she has to deal with with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of you're able to see like both perspectives on how that relationship's not working out. Um, so yeah, um, fifty fifty, my number ten. Yeah, it's a it's a solid film. It shows a different um, element to Rogan too, because he's asked to go down some roads he wasn't asked to do before. Yeah, his performance when he calls her out on how she's treating <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character uh, was like brilliant mm-hmm. yeah no it's it's a good one i haven't seen it in long enough so i couldn't i i know i really like it but i said hmm can i even talk about this movie in an intelligent way well i mean in a way intelligent for me but yeah yeah i couldn't yeah, it's been a while I, I watched it like earlier this year or like late last year mm-hmm. um so it's fairly recent but still it's i've seen it twice <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's it good enough to make my number 10 and actually, there is a whole bunch of stuff that could have been my number 10. I just picked that one. So Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. And it knocked Enter the Void out of my 10 spot. Yes, that makes it a winner unto <laughs> itself. <laughs> so, yeah. All I right, cool. Uh, my number 10, uh, I'm going back in time. bigger than yourself. What do you know about me? Everything. A new species is being born. Help me guide it. Shape it. You have no idea what I'd give to feel normal. You want society to accept you, but you can't even accept yourself. Should we have to hide? Tomorrow, mankind will know that mutants exist. They'll fear us, and that fear will turn to hatred. Not if we stop a war. Not if we risk our lives doing so. We have it in us to be the better man. We already are. It shall be the policy of this nation 
to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States. They're just kids. No, they were kids. You ready for this? Let's find out. foresee precisely what course it will take. One path we shall never choose, and that is the path of surrender. Listen to me very carefully, my friend. Killing will not bring you peace. Peace was never an option. My number 10 is X-Men First Class, and I, I really like the historical uh, twist to it, where it deals with the Cuban Missile Crisis and the outing, quote-unquote, of mutants into society. Uh, it might not be the cool thing to say, but um, I think uh, Magneto in this is better than Ian McKellen's Magneto. What? You not cool, man. Bastard! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I think that is the cool thing to say. Yeah, I mean, just, and I mean, way more handsome for sure. Fuck you all. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it kind of, you know, introduced Michael Fassbender. I think kind of to everybody. I mean, he's been around for a little bit, but that was his big break. You know, and you think about ten years ago, where people are, and I mean, James McAvoy is great as Professor X. They didn't even show Kevin Bacon in that trailer. Yeah, that's weird. That's that interesting. And he's kind of like, well, I guess he a quick shot of him, but uh, hmm. yeah, his death in that movie is awesome. Yeah. I was always frustrated by, um, you know, growing up, I heard that Magneto and Xavier were like longtime friends, but this movie seems, makes it seem like they were friends for like a week <laughs> and, then they, <laughs> and then they got their uh, rift between them. So that was always like, eh, unsatisfying. Yeah. Uh, but I always think it's interesting the, how they uh, look at each other differently and are same, uh, different sides of the coin, even though it's kind of the same thing where Magneto, because, you know, he survived the Holocaust looks at the horrible things that people can do. And, you know, Xavier believes that there's still good in people and it's worth fighting for. And I think this movie does a great job on touching on that. And I think it's very well done and it paves way to probably the best X-Men movie. So, um, yeah, my number 10 X-Men first class great choice it's a it's i wasn't sure how the x-men were going to transition out of the jackman stewart uh mckellen phase but it was surprising going into this movie and walking out satisfied like i was just like so excited that it worked well it also has the hugh jackman's greatest cameo in yeah. it fuck you <laughs> fuck yourself <laughs> they didn't really transition out of that phase because the next movie they went right back to him so yeah yeah it was really the first multiverse movie yeah um, anyways, that's my number 10. Henry, you can't see the screen, but you are number next up for number 10. Oh, my God. Well, my number 10 film uh, stars Kevin Spacey. And ironically, he isn't the sexual predator in this movie. You want it? It's 8.15 a.m. It's 18-year-old Scott. <laughs> if you want a promotion, you got to earn it. 
tell you that Parkin tricked me into having a drink at 8 o'clock this morning. Unless your boss isn't sexually harassing you. Let's see if this thing is working. Oh, I can make out our little friend right there. Stop it. Ooh, Shabbat Shalom. Somebody's circumcised. You know, yours doesn't sound that bad. We need to trim some of the fat. What do you mean by trim the fat? I want you to fire the fat people. You can start with large Marge. Marge, can you come in here, please? What? I thought he was going to give you a promotion. Yeah, no, he is. I have decided who I want to be our new vice president of sales. Me. What do you say? Nick, uh, please, we're in the middle of a meeting. Sorry. That's all right. I'll just attribute this to your drinking problem. You would have to admit our lives would be easier if our bosses weren't alive. You can fire Professor Xavier. You mean Hank? Creeps me out, rolling around all day in a special little secret chair. I don't care how bad our bosses are. We're not murderers. This little sweetheart right here, my fiance, is going to get a peek at my little photo album. You did all this while I was unconscious? Mm -hmm. That's my favorite. <laughs> I'm in. Let's kill this bitch. We got to hire a professional. Does anyone here kill people for money? I'm going to be your murder consultant. Word. You want to pull off a brilliant murder? It's not a look like it's an accident. Ah! You gotta be smart. It's gotta be worth what? 15000 I feel like everything's gonna work out. Look how fast I'm picking out this yeah. crap, you know? You I'm moving like super fast. I can't even feel my nose. Find them vulnerable. Peanuts? That was a peanut butter sandwich. Are you not good with peanuts? Whoa, whoa. Look at this. Oh! What about little jabs? Oh! Little jabs? My boss for worth planning to kill is dying in front of you and you saved his life? Well, that sounds bad when you say it like that. I was surveilling your boss. She's incredibly Don't hot. talk about how hot she is. She makes herself a little snack, a popsicle, a banana, and finally, a hot dog. And eating him in that weird order, that's not a proper meal. It's cold to hot. I can crush you any time I want. Explain why you're doing 61 in a 25 zone. I was drag racing. In a Prius. I don't win a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, my number 10 is uh, Horrible Bosses. Uh, and like Idris Elba from The Dark Tower, I shoot from my heart. And so I have not seen basically any of these since I saw them 10 years ago. So I should preface that uh, by saying I have not watched this film in a long time. But I did very much enjoy it when it came out. I've always been a fan of offensive comedies. Uh, I know they're problematic, but, you know, so's the world, and that's my excuse. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I love this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. It's Jason Sudeikis before he was Ted Lasso. It's uh, Kevin Spacey before he was a monster, or I guess before we knew he was a monster. Uh, and it was all, the, it, it's all the greats. It's all the greats. I love this movie. It's so much fun. Everyone is really giving it their all, and it's, uh, I think it's a very underrated comedy from this era. So, yeah, my number 10, uh, Horrible Bosses. All right, so it's my turn. All right, so um, my number 10 um, was my number 5 in 2011, but now it is now my number 10. Uh, but it stars one of my favorite actors to watch um, from a filmmaker that I, uh, I grew to enjoy um, as I was getting into film school, and I do still tend to enjoy his work um, more often than not. Um, it's also a Hawaii-set film, and here it is. Sorry to bother you, I'm Matt King. Yeah, I've come to pick up my daughter, Alexandra. Alex? Dad? <laughs> What's up, Dad? <laughs> What's happening? You need to come home and see your mom. I'm the backup parent, the understudy. I thought you were supposed to be getting your act together. I've been doing really well, actually. Nobody ever seems to notice that. And with Elizabeth, my 
wife to the hospital. My daughters are testing me. Look who's here. Get out of my underwear, you freak. Oh, OK. Don't Back inside now. Real good job you're doing. We have to go through this thing together, you and Scotty and me. Dad, this is Sid. He's going to be with me. I'll be a lot more civil with him around. Set, bro. Don't ever do that to me again. I have to go around and tell people what's happening, family and a few close friends. I don't want to talk about mom with anyone. Look, whatever you two fought about, you have to drop it. Grow up. You really don't have a clue, do you? Tim, mom was cheating on you. I'd like to know who the guy is that my wife was seeing. What you've been going through, that's a tough deal. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. <laughs> I'm going to hit you. How often do old people just haul off and cold cocky like that? survive as long as we know how to love we'll know we're still alive um so yeah my number 10 is the descendants um alexander payne um with a script by jim rash and nat nat faxon which this was jim rash's like big year of prominence he was uh not only do uh, get an oscar for this but he was also starring in community so um it's it was kind of cool to watch his career blossom that way um but uh, the story about George Clooney plays a father who um, his wife is in a coma and he's struggling to raise the kids while also finding out that his wife was cheating on him prior to getting into the coma. And uh, got Bitch. wonderful, like, supporting cast, too. Like, you've got Matthew Lillard as the as the man she was having an affair with. Uh, you got Robert Forrester as her father. and I guess, yeah, he would be a man by then. You might forget, I just watched Scream and, you know, yeah. Scream's nineteen ninety. Seven. He was he was technically already a man for Scooby Doo as well. So I mean he he had already grown, but th- you it's not the same looking like <laughs> no he, he got he, yeah he, he matured you know yeah. um and Shailene but wait <laughs> there's more <laughs> I'm a little woozy here man <laughs> oh my god oh my god <laughs> um but I think I honestly think this might be it's among George Clooney's top five performances as an actor um. If I'm discounting uh, the stuff that I love from him with the Coen brothers, like this is objectively one of his best performances. He is very tender when he is when he is unloading to his comatose wife. Uh, it is remarkable to watch, um, and I do. Th- I don't think it's my favorite Alexander Payne movie, but it's certainly one that I really enjoyed. I went to it multiple times in the theater. My dad really wanted to see it because he and I both love Clooney, so. Um, I think there's a great emotional resonance to it, and I, I I think it's it's impossible to not be touched by the film. So so yeah, my number ten, The Descendants. Brad, number nine. Number um, nine. My number nine is mostly on here because it was a fun time hanging out with you guys to see it. Oh, gay. Ease, <laughs> Jesus, on my way tonight. 
says to me, old senator, come on in. I see the face of Jesus in that great white light. And my Savior makes me whole again. In his shining eyes. In his shining eyes. I see the promise of all forgiveness to set you free. I see the face of Jesus on my way this night. And my Savior is to comfort me. I fear God. You better believe I fear God. Ugh, still gives me the chills. That is a good trailer. Yeah. Yeah, so my number nine is Red State, and I literally have not seen it since we saw it really? up in Boulder. At, did you have not get the Blu-ray ever? I did not. Huh. Yeah. Didn't even watch it when it was on Netflix on nope. repeat 15 times like a madman like I did? Nope. Psychopath. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was good when I watched it. It was cool. I think it was the first time I saw Kevin Smith in person. Yeah. And mm. in, in that Q&A, James asked the longest question. I know. It was awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, like that's why it's still on my list. It dropped down a spot um, since last time. But, um, yeah, it was a fine movie. It was cool to see Kevin Smith branching out. Um, doing something different, um, and Dave Klein really upped his game mm-hmm. uh, shooting that one. And um, it's one of the best cinematography jobs Dave ever did. I yeah. love it. But overall, it's like it wasn't that it wasn't like it didn't blow me away. So that's why it's I haven't watched it in ten years. <laughs> yeah. So but it's mostly on those because it was cool to do that with you guys. It's one of our first venture. Yeah, that no, it was really things. cool. I'll spoil the story. This I was at the same screening as you guys. And I remember James's question. Like, or I remember him getting. No, no, I couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> smell something really pathetic in here. <laughs> smell like a loser in here to you? Definitely a loser type. I'm getting a scent of pretentiousness and some dead comedian. <laughs> Quick, we got to run home and talk about this movie before I forget it. <laughs> I'll talk about it. It's like an hour drive home. No, it's cool. It's it's definitely a visceral movie. I, I really do enjoy it. I think the performances are great. You know, it just the explanation at the end with oh yeah, it's just like ah, oh, come on, really going to do like how cool it is to be stoned again? Just whatever. But it's an enjoyable film. Yep. Cool. We'll talk about it later. Uh, my number nine is a new entry to my film explosion list. <gasps> what? Yeah. So um, you're growing, Ryan. I am. <laughs> uh, I do every once, well, probably about once a year, I pick an actor that I'm just going to dive into their filmography. And this is one of those actors. You're dead. Right now. I've killed you. You were half asleep. I'll do better next time. Tell me again. Adapt or die. Think on your feet. Even when I'm sleeping. I'm ready. All you have to do is flip that switch. It tells me it's the regular where we are. Only you can get close enough. She won't stop until you're dead. Or she is. Come and find me. 
Marissa. We picked up an unencrypted signal below the Arctic Circle. We think it's Eric Heller. Heller is a rogue asset. I propose we go in and pull him out. We need to keep this contained, gentlemen. Papa. Remember what I taught you, you'll be fine. Heller was gone, but we found this kid. I want to speak to Marissa Fiegler. My name is Marissa Vaylor. You wanted to speak to me? things my agency will not let me do. The girl is still alive. If we're going to be friends, you're going to have to be honest. I'd like to have a friend. What is it? It's something about me. I don't understand the rest of it. What's wrong with you? Whatever you do, I promise not to follow me. I promise. Try to prepare you. You didn't prepare me for this. Sometimes children are bad people too. Did she turn out as you hoped? Better. So my number nine film is Hannah, starring the incomparable Kate Blanchett. And it's about a little girl who can kill people. Because her father told her and taught her how to. You forgot two cast members, Eric Bana and Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I guess there's other people in the movie, too. <laughs> Kate Blanchett's um, a little girl. But I, I started watching Kate Blanchett's films. And I have never s- saw this before. And, yeah, it's kind of like a little girl, James. I mean, a Jason Bourne film where she just runs around. They're trying to track her down. Kate Blanchett is... This southern lady and um yeah it's just fun the people who, re- who created her yep yeah. yeah it's pretty fun it's a fun movie and that's why it's number nine because i had a good time watching a little girl kill people and kate blanchett chasing her down and kate blanchett's really good she is and that's my number nine film hannah you should watch it henry you're number nine my number nine film asks the question what if you could take a pill and then be smart? Oh, good. Ah, uh, good for you, Henry. See that guy? That's me. My excuse for looking like this? I'm a writer. Eddie, maybe it's time to let the writing go. But just in case you think nothing ever happened to me. Eddie Mora! Hey! Tell me about this book. Well, how much have you written of it? Not one word. Well, I suppose I can help you with that. You know how they say that we can only access 20% of our brain? This lets you access all of it. They've had clinical trials and it's FDA approved. I just had a curiosity and that's all. I was blind, but now I see. A tablet a day and I was limitless. I now had cultural appetites. Since when do you speak Italian? I finished my book in four days. I'd like to renegotiate my advance. Math became useful. From 12,000 to 2.3 million in 10 days. I'm baffled by this guy. So, Eddie Mora, you do know you're a freak. What's your secret? Medication. 
Your powers are a gift from God or whoever the hell wrote your life script. I'll open up a line of credit for you. You'll be wanting a few toys. How many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? What's the asking price? 12.5. I'll take it. Everything I have, I want to share with you. What you doing, hon? You think somebody's watching? My brain is skipping time. I have no memory of the last four days. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Your powers are not earned. You're careless with those powers. Have you asked yourself what you're going to do when you run out? You'll die. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. There's no scenario in which you'd lead this life where you don't work for me. No scenario. I see every scenario. I see 50 scenarios. That's what it does, Carl. It puts me 50 moves ahead of you. Worth the risk? What would you do? So, my number nine film is Limitless, starring Bradley Cooper as a man who discovers basically Adderall. Uh, it is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> like to imagine that this is actually a very long artistic film about analyzing the opioid crisis before it really came to be. I refuse to elaborate on this point, but that's why I like <laughs> <laughs> So, So I guess your and, description of this film has a limit. Yeah, I mean, again, I saw this film ten years ago, and that was the last time I saw it. And so... No, yeah, exactly. But anyway... My number nine film is Limitless. Take a pill, I guess. That's the message of the film. Take a pill. <laughs> the red or the blue one? Yeah, both. Why not? Right. <laughs> Get a cocktail. See both realities. All right. All right. So my number nine uh, actually dropped a few slots, but I wanted to keep it in here. Boring. Um, it was originally, uh, back in 2011, was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo by David Fincher. Yeah. Um, but instead, it is uh, a lovely, sweet movie uh, from the director of Capote. There are rich teams, and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. That's a dollar, man. What? Welcome to Oakland. I need more money. We're not New York. Find players with the money that we do have. I like Perez. Got an ugly girlfriend. Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. You guys are talking the same old nonsense. Like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. Who's Fabio? Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. And in order to buy wins, you need to buy runs. Who are you? I'm Peter Brand. First job in baseball? It's my first job anywhere. We're going to shake things up. Why don't you walk me through the board? I believe there is a championship team that we could afford because everyone else undervalues them, like an island of misfit toys. We want you at first base. I've only ever played catcher. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, watch. It's incredibly hard. He can't throw. But what can he do? You want me to speak? When I point at you, yeah. He gets on base. We are card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. I'm heading in. Text me to play by play. Wait, what? I don't watch the games. Billy Bean has tried to reinvent a system that's been working for years. 
There was a nice theory, just not working out. How long is Billy Bean going to last? He's proven himself right out of a job. In their minds, it's threatening the game. It's threatening the way that they do things. Hey, Daddy, do you think you'll lose your job? What? Where'd you hear that? Well, I go on the internet sometimes. Don't go on the internet. Watch TV or talk to people. You're discounting what scouts have done for 150 years. What the hell am I doing? What is happening in Oakland? It defies everything we know about baseball. Just plain crazy. If we win with this team, we'll change the game. This better work. I'm just kidding. So yeah, my number nine is Moneyball uh, from director Benet Miller, um, who I feel like there's only two directors who have been able to successfully do true life stories in a way that transcends the typical topic of just a, based on a true story. Mm-hmm. And it's the uh, Alexander and Karaszewski scripts and or Benet Miller directing a movie. Um, this one deals with Billy Bean um, uh, finding a new way for the Oakland A's. Uh, to rack up wins by using statistics rather than just going off of the old-fashioned tactics of scouting for baseball players and building and assembling a team. Um, I think well, there, there's two elements of this that are very interesting. One is the whole analytical aspect of it with Jonah Hill's character in particular, but also the interactions between Billy Bean and his daughter, I think, are very uh, sweet um, and but they don't go towards like over sentimental and over sentimentalizing like it's just it's just very genuine um, and the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman is fantastic as a general manager um, yeah it's a, it's a movie that I think like you don't need to be into baseball to enjoy the film um, but it is also at the same time a very good sports movie I know it has its detractors but I enjoy it I think it's shot beautifully like the scenes on the baseball field were he's kind of like pushing out black in the background and you've got like the light in the foreground there hitting on the players. I think it looks fantastic. So, um, so yeah, movies usually make compelling films. They do. But like this one in particular, like it's not solely focused on the sport. Like it actually is like, it's more like, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just, I was picking back up that it's because the, the, just the way sports are set up anyways, Mm -hmm. you know, for the underdog to win, um, you know, remember draft day with Kevin Costner next yeah. year? <laughs> yeah. But I think that, I think that there's something there's, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. The way it's set up, like it's, it's guaranteed to hit that emotional mark. Yeah. So the big key for this one, was going towards an intellectual element yeah. towards sports that I don't think it's tacked on that often. So, Agreed. but yeah, number nine, Moneyball written by Aaron Sorkin too, by the way, I forgot to mention that. Uh, my number eight is another movie I haven't seen since I watched it in theaters. <laughs> nice. Do you remember that pact we made? Kinda. We promised to never leave each other. Never ever. Never ever. And if you die, I'll come back. You know that tomorrow's the anniversary of mom and dad's death? Tibetan Book of the Dead? I'm assuming it's about death. It tells you how your spirit comes out from your body after you die. 
At first, you can see all your life reflected in a magic mirror. And then you see these lights, all these different lights of all different colors. Alex is going to make you a junkie. I know I'm not a junkie. Come on. It's not your friend. We're going to be like a family from now on. Just you and me. Promise to never leave each other, no matter what. Is it the same trailer? It seems like it's different. Yeah, I think I found a different one. Yeah, because the other one is just this really obnoxious music. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't really explain it. This one has it. more story to it. Yeah. But no, my number uh, eight is son of a, a 2009 movie, I think, actually. Yeah. Uh, but I saw it in 2011 at the C Film Center. Um, and Ryan, yeah, Ryan hates it. He's never seen it. But uh, it's a good movie, though. It's it's stuck with me this long because it's so. It's actually moved up on your list. And it has moved up because uh, it has not left me. Like, I've only seen it once. <laughs> And it was such a like a mind blowing filmmaking experience because it's like it's a first person point of view movie, and then it like also like once that character dies, like it's an um, omni omniscient perspective. So he's like floating around, inhabiting other people's bodies, um, like following his sister around, um, and it, and then every time he gets in someone's body, he says, "I'm inside you." <laughs> sort of yeah um and there's like one of the most terrifying car crashes ever committed to film that i've ever seen in it um but yeah it's like just uh, from a filmmaking p point of view just like how ambitious it is ambitious it is and what they pull off is just really impressive to me so um yeah my number my number eight into the void cool Ten years later, and I still have not been convinced to see this film. <laughs> I just, I just feel like you'll, I, I just feel like you'll roll, you'll roll your eyes, and, I, and it's not because it's not good. I like the movie, but I just feel like it might not be your cup of tea. But I don't need Ryan's approval, Henry. Henry, do you approve of this number eight for me? I love Gaspar Noé. I love this film. I love his three-hour-long pornography movie called Love. I love his two-hour-long dance pornography movie called Climax. And then there's the other one that's more depressing that I don't want to make a joke about. But those, I love Gaspar Noé. Yay, I feel validated. Moving on. You're a piece of shit is what you are. No, that's fine. Hey, it's your list. Um, that's right. You can have whatever you want on it. Yeah, including movies from other years. That's right. Um, my, my next film, uh, I, I know this is a favorite of uh, James and I. And 
you know, I just like that it took a bite out of cinema. Hey, Mom. Hey, just checking in. What you up to? Uh... Adam Johnson. Adam. You know, Adam's missing, right? Right? Kids aren't coming to school. It happens all the time. I don't know if you're paying attention to Roll Call, but he's not the only one that's gone. You're nuts. This is my son, Charlie, and his girlfriend. Hi. So Jerry is our new neighbor. Hey. Hey. Now listen to me. We dropped up all the disappearances. That's you right there in the center next to his house. I really hate to be the one to tell you this, but that guy, your neighbor? Jerry. Yeah, he's a vampire. <laughs> that is a terrible vampire name. Jerry? I've been watching you. Your mom, where there's a kind of uh, neglect, gives off a scent. And your girl, she's ripe. It's on you to look out for them, because there are a lot of bad people out there, Charlie. What's that? I'm gonna end him, or he's gonna end me. That's how it's gonna be. Charlie's gonna find me. I'm counting on it. You smell that? It's your fear. Shit! Get him! Did I kill him? Hopefully. Yeah, uh, Fright Night 2011 is my number eight. It's a really it's a remake of a 1980s classic uh, with Anton Yelchin. Every time I see him, I get sad. Mm-hmm. Like his death is really sad. Yeah. Um, Colin Farrell plays a vampire in it, and it's uh, a lot more creepy than you think it would be because it's um, there's a great scene where uh, you know vampires have to be invited into your home and. Colin Farrell is just standing outside waiting to be invited in, and he kind of just uh, talks to Charlie, and um, it's a great scene. Colin Farrell's great in the film. Um, yeah, the CGI in it's kind of eh, but you really should see it in 3D if you have the chance. It's one of the best post-conversion 3D films. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I really like it. I think it has a great uh, mood to it. It's written by Buffy the Vampire scribe Marty Noxon who actually became the showrunner for Buffy, I think, season five. Um, so, yeah, she, she writes characters well, and it's it's a fun film. That's my number eight. It's a surprisingly efficient remake. Like, it's not, like, it, it, it takes a different tone because it doesn't have the luxury of horror hosts being a big um, factor in it because that's mm-hmm. what the original Tom Holland one's yeah. doing. So. Yeah, they change it to, you know, a Vegas setting and... Um, yeah, more of a 
parlor trick guy. Right. But it's still like, but again, it still works. And like I was telling you off screen off, on the trailer, like David Tennant's not even in this trailer. Yeah. Yep. Henry, number uh, eight. I actually really, really like uh, uh, Fright Night. It's one of my, mo- I think it's a very underrated horror film. I didn't make my list, but I'm glad that someone's talking about it. No, I, I agree. I very much enjoy it. It's one of the movies, I, horror movies I saw that really surprised me. Yeah. No, it's great. Uh, my number eight is basically the same film. Uh, it's the probably my favorite end of a trilogy film I could think of. Uh, and I think it just has one of the most de- devastating endings I've seen in a film in a long time. And I think we can all agree that it's made by America's auteur. And so. Space race of the 1960s was in response to an event. If you breathe a word of what you've seen here, we'll do time for treason. Everything humans know of our planet, we were told, had been shared. You lied to us. You've made a grave mistake. So, Henry, yeah, you chose probably the single most powerful film of the year. Only at number eight, though. I know. Well, listen, I I think they made a mistake by continuing it. I mean, I think this is the perfect wrap-up to the Witwicky trilogy. And I think to continue it with the Cade, with the Cade duology, I think, was a mistake, ultimately. How, as much as I love Age of Extinction, I think Dark of the Moon Transformers 3 is the best film. Uh, but... Yeah, I think we can, I think we can all agree with that. Um, I will say, um, I just love the balls on this movie because I think people forget that this movie, being the middle of this film series, 
ends basically with them leveling all of Chicago, and then canonically for the rest of this franchise, Chicago doesn't exist. And I think that's a really ballsy move to do in a film. To completely level an entire massive city, and everyone's like, that's the consequence of Transformers. I don't know what to tell you. I think it's great. I want, if I ever make a film of this length, I'd, I want to get rid of an entire city as well. I think that's a really good tactic for a blockbuster. So, yeah, listen, I think this movie's great. I think of the original trilogy, this one's actually my favorite. Uh, just because I think, honestly, I think they all get better over time. Uh, and if you can go into it expecting a Michael Bay movie and knowing what a Michael Bay movie is, this movie's fantastic. And I love this movie from the bottom of my heart. I've seen it like five times. It's great. Anyway, yeah. My number eight film. It's uh, Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon. I was talking during the trailer. Like The special effects still look amazing. I mean, yeah, say say what you will about Michael Bay. He knows how to direct something, and he knows how to make something look, like, sexy. Like, I'm not going to say he knows how to make something look good, but he knows how to make something look sexy. No, I, I agree. Like I know, I always... They have that Ultra HD set that's only 50 bucks that has all the movies in it. And I go, should I get this? Because I don't own them because I'm not the biggest fan. And there's a part of me that wants to, because I the only one I own is Bumblebee. I actually do like Bumblebee a lot, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe one day. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I haven't seen this since the theater, but I remember being that that climax was just yeah, it was awesome. Yep. Even though Megatron could have just crushed everybody in his in his hand and the movie <laughs> right there, but yeah, but that's not as fun as Tremor worm robots that destroy buildings. Yeah, it was. Um, I've I dutifully followed this franchise in the theater for some reason, and um, this one was. I remember distinctly going to it super baked, and it dragged on forever, and ever, and ever. Um, but I did like the whole Leonard Nimoy um, uh, uh, aspect of it, and uh, I remember rolling my eyes when he does the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few line. But it does look beautiful. Looks gorgeous. Uh, it's funny watching Optimus Prime yell at Francis McDormand. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, good choice, Henry. Thank you, Zach. All right. Um, my number eight was Bridesmaids, which didn't make my carry over into my list, but I do love Bridesmaids. Um, this film, though, didn't even make my top ten, even though it's something that I rewatched a bunch when it came out. Um, it's a loving salute to old comedians um, and their uh, penchant for putting on a show. Would you look at that? Ah! <laughs> we are the Muppets. Hello. 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 And these are our biggest fans. Yeah. <laughs> you excited for our big trip to LA? There's somebody coming. Yeah, excuse me. Good grief. Disney presents. <laughs> you guys are so talented. Check it out. Bart shoes. <laughs> the biggest event in Hollywood history. The Muppet Spectacular. Yeah! That is awesome. There's just one problem. I'm going to shoot straight. You guys aren't famous anymore. Yeesh. I wish she'd shot a little more curvy. Let's just start at the bottom and work our way back up to the top. Can't you I'm busy? Come on, guys. Let's go. Step one. Are you one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yes, I am. Tour the world. We should travel by map to, to Paris. Paris. <laughs> Step two, rehearse the show. 
I'm doing a duet with my new dance partner. Hola. <laughs> Let's try that lift again, shall we? Eich, the lift again. Okay, on my count this time, okay? In three, two, baby! Step of final. I believe in you and you and you and, well, all of you. Aww. And now, singing chickens. Make the most sensitive. Distinguished. Prepare yourselves for head bowling. What? I have not signed off on this. Celebrity filled. Phenomena. And sophisticated Muppet movie ever made. <laughs> ever. Have a seat. Thank you. I think I'll stand. Comfy. This Thanksgiving. <laughs> Is this movie in 3D? Nope. The Muppets are as one-dimensional as they've always been. Hey, watch it. Jason Segel, Amy Adams, Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, and introducing the newest Muppet, Walter. <laughs> and the Muppets. <laughs> waka waka. You've been replaced. The Muppets. Say move it, say move it. So yeah, my uh, number eight is The Muppets. Um, it's a fun movie. Jason Segel got to take his childhood am love of the... <laughs> oh, am I a Muppet? <laughs> um, Jason Segel took his love of The Muppets, which he shows so clearly in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and uh, transformed it into a a very, I would argue, successful reboot of The Muppets that unfortunately didn't carry on further due to Muppets Most Wanted kind of being underwhelmed, um, um, uh, underwhelmingly received. Um, but for people who don't know, uh, Walter um, is a Muppet that lives um, with a human brother. Always wondered why he's different, but he latches on to the Muppets as, an, as a kid. And um, they go... Uh, he, um, his brother and his girlfriend go to, um, uh, LA and they, uh, find out that the Muppet theater is about to be torn down, uh, to make way for pumping oil, uh, by evil air oil baron played by Chris Cooper. So, uh, Walter, uh, essentially gets the Muppets back together to put on a telethon to save the Muppet studios. So there's a lot of lovely elements to the film. It's a, it's a wonderful salute to what the Muppets was in the seventies and into the eighties. Um, while at the same time making way for newer interpretations and newer aspects of it, it it, uh, it, it has a little bit of a meta quality to it with how the Muppets function. But um, I, something I thought was really cool about it is that it really incorporates the Muppets TV show into the lore, which not even the movies did prior to this. Um, so it must have been interesting as a kid to look at this and realize that the Muppets were a TV show back in the 70s as well. Um and it has like great performance. I think Chris Cooper is a wonderful villain for the Muppets. Like he just he relished every moment of that. Uh, Amy Adams is fantastic, and it Siegel is wonderful too. Um, and uh, Gonzo, Gonzo is sparingly used in the movie, and he's my favorite Muppet. But he does have one of my favorite lines when um, he uh, kind of turns them down about rejoining the group and he looks around his toilet factory and realizes what he's become and they walk outside and he's on the roof and he's like, guys, and he tears off his shirt and he's got the super gonzo shoe. And he's like, I've been wearing this costume under my, <laughs> under my suit for the last 20 years. <laughs> and then he explodes his own factory. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a lovely film. Um, if you haven't seen the Muppets, check it out. Brad, lucky number seven. Or Slevin. 
That's uh, not a 2011 movie. <laughs> <laughs> My number seven is another movie I haven't watched since it came out <laughs> in 2011. <laughs> all know i'm the biggest fan of old hollywood <laughs> movies on this podcast i'm true to, i'm going to fucking if, if i had you. to pick one person in this whole podcast that loved old hollywood yeah i'm always trying Brad. to champion and celebrate yeah that people watch more older movies uh so my number seven is the artist um and it's the best picture of the year guys true as a term by the academy awards um and r.a.p uggy yeah 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 um, yeah, the artist. I don't remember what happens in it, but it looks great. And <laughs> it's about an artist and a, and a really awesome, well-trained dog. And uh, yeah. You forgot Malcolm McDowell is a butler for five seconds? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good movie. It was really high on my last list. Um, and I don't know. I just tumbled off of it. Look out below! And it... <laughs> I don't know. I actually had a hard time with my new redo list. Because like I said, I kind of um, added new movies. And then as you watch other films, you're just like, oh, Be careful about it. You know, uh, maybe this should be here. And yep. So the artist. I own it. I've seen it a few times. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, my number seven is the end of an epic film series. Hurry, be safe. Be strong. 
the way we started. Together! My number seven is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part Two, which I believe is a fitting conclusion to the film series. Uh, wonderfully shot, and I love the the children who play. I guess they're not children anymore. The actors who play Harry Potter and all the other ones. You can actually see them grow as actors uh, throughout the series. And this, they're all on top of their game. Um, it's just the final battle between Harry and um, Voldemort. And it's pretty much two hours of fighting and people dying and cheery moments in the theater. And I also loved it because when I started seeing my wife um, three years prior to this, we would go to midnight screenings of Harry Potter and um, dress up. I'd wear a graduation gown with my Gryffindor stuff and we'd see it with our friends and things like that. Mm. You're so embarrassing. I know. <laughs> But I was just trying to get laid. And, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, I do love it. I, I love the the books. I, I was one of those people that would go pick up the books at midnight at Barnes and Noble. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> and I, I just thought this was a great conclusion. I still eyes. think John Williams' music is amazing. And yeah, I just like this film series a lot. And I thought it ended well. Mm-hmm. We 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 get we. We didn't get any. We, we actually know we do get a further glimpse of Mad Eye Moody, but because mm-hmm. he, R.I.P. RIP Brendan Gleeson, the craziest Irishman of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's a fun movie. Um, I remember when I went to go to a double bill of Part One and Part Two um, for the midnight. Mm. Uh, the power went out halfway through as uh, the Snape reveal was happening, mm. and so I had to go the next day to finish it. So lame. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 also. Because part one is really somber, <laughs> and uh, 
part two has all the cheer, like the I said, cheering moments. It's kind of like the Battle of the Five Armies. It's just a big action yeah. movie. Yeah, that's yeah, fun. Henry, number seven? My number seven uh, continues the trend. As we all know, I am the biggest horror fan of the podcast. <laughs> what, uh, and, you motherfucker? Uh, you, talk, you talk about Halloween a lot. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm really into it. And so, uh, but yeah, my number seven is, I think, the best horror film of the year. Uh, and you can believe me, because as I said, I'm the expert. And so... I just want you all to know how much it means to us that you're all here. Thanks to mom and dad. Beautiful. Just a perfect day. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy food and help us to do our part with kind words and loving deeds. Amen. Amen. My number seven is Your Next, the famous 2013 uh, horror film. Um, and so, uh, I really like this. I, I will always, despite the fact that uh, he had a couple flops here and there, uh, I will always defend Adam Wingard until my death. I think he's a great director. Uh, I think this is just a phenomenal horror debut from him. And I mean, following this up for, with the guest is just a great one-two punch. Uh, we're going to ignore Death Note and Blair Witch Project. And then he did a great Godzilla vs. Kong coming into my ballpark. Uh, but yeah, I love this movie. I think it's great. I'll, my favorite part is when the person tries to run through the door, but uh-oh, there's a wire there. And he accidentally slits his own throat. It's crazy. But anyway, uh, you're next. It's uh, number seven. It's spooky. <laughs> Sold. All right. My number seven took a franchise that I loved as a as, as a kid and uh, revamped it, recharged it in a way that I wasn't expecting to be as effective as it was. And here it is.
Our drug allows the brain to repair itself. We call it the cure. We're ready to move on to the next phase. This one. This is wrong, Will. This has the potential to change lives. Some things aren't meant to be changed. Does it work like we predicted? With one exception. The drug has radically boosted brain functioning. You mean increased intelligence? trilogy mm-hmm. is better than the original films yeah um i'm torn on proclaiming that so my number seven is rise of the planet of the apes um i love that original series because of how gutsy it is with and with the makeup effects for the time like it's still it still works the allegories to work uh the makeup gets cheaper as the series goes on because they streamline the appliance. Um, but the first time I saw this trailer, I was not convinced. I even doubted that I would go see it. And then we went, I went, I went on a whim and I walked out floored by Andy Serkis's performance. Um, for anybody who doesn't know rise of the planet of the apes sees the rise of Caesar, the ape who's, uh, uh, the surviving child of an ape that dies in, uh, testing captivity. Um, and is gained super intelligence through a drug that had been inserted into monkeys to cure cancer or to cure Alzheimer's, I think it was. Um, and it has, yes, it has James Franco in it. We're not here to talk about him right now. We're here to about, talk about apes. Um, I think Rupert uh, Rupert Wyatt, the director. I, I I'm very curious to look at the rest of his filmography after this point because I really haven't gone into it. But I love that he took the angle that he did with it of this kind of like this this torn story of caesar you know growing up with humans and then being ultimately betrayed by them to a point where it's it it really damages his relationship to to human beings and uh the way that they were able to incorporate lines from the original 68 film in a way that was justified and earned um i think was like a key element to the reboot um when caesar's trapped in the uh, encampment uh, or the, the preserve, if you will. Um, and you have uh, Draco Malfoy um, poking and prodding him with that electric prod. Um, the moment he goes like, it, he goes, take your damn, po- t- take your stinking paws off me. You damn dirty ape. It's earned when you hear Caesar shout, no. And then he starts kicking the shit out of Draco Malfoy. 
Um, and then they, and then they kill Brian Cox and it's wonderful. I, I think this, I think that this movie kicked off as Ryan said, a wonderful trilogy. It's not even the best in the trilogy now. Like I think Dawn might oh, be yeah. even better. Um, but it's still, it's immensely powerful. Like it's one of those 4k trilogy sets that like when it as soon as it went down in price, I got it because I was just like, I need to have these in the shelf on 4k. Like I need to see all the angles on it. The digital effects are incredible. Um, it, it definitely ups the game for what Planet of the Apes can be, which is an allegory that I think still really works. Um, so yeah, my number seven is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Bradley, number six. Uh, my number six is a new entry to the list. All right. Uh, my number six. Uh... Do you know the story of Madeline O'Malley? She was the woman that died here in the hotel. She hung herself after her fiancé stood her up on their wedding day. And ever since then, people have reported seeing the ghost of Madeline O'Malley roaming the hallways waiting for her lover. Some say she's even looking to take up a new one. This is our last weekend open, so we've got to find some proof that Madeline O'Malley really exists before this place closes down. I have my microphone so we can make do with EVP investigations. Yes, I'd like a room for the night. Since the hotel is practically empty, we might have a good chance of making some real contact. What was that? Did you hear that? Hang on. You want to communicate with the spirits in this hotel? I can help you do that. What do they want? To live. You mustn't go down into the basement. Under a blanket of blue Just you and I beneath the stars Uh, yeah, my number six. Round six. Yep. My yep. number six is uh, the innkeepers, which is uh, about an inn that's being haunted, and the the desk clerks are the keepers, are kind of uh, <laughs> amateur ghost hunters. Boom. And uh, yeah, they just sit at the counter, and it's kind of like clerks where they just kind of talk to each other about fun stuff until they start getting haunted. Yeah. Um, it's a cool movie. I, I always like Ty West because he kind of slow burn horror where it's not obnoxious jump scares all the time. It's slowly building towards something. I mean, you introduced me to him through the house of the devil, which is another really great movie. And uh, yeah, this movie is really good. Yeah. Always makes my uh, Halloween playlist each year. So that's my number six. Uh, my number six is also a new entry into the list and it stars my most favorite actress. She's so pretty. I miss you. I miss my friend. Oh, this is this is that moment, isn't it? This is This is your intervention. Whatever you think is helping you, I have a responsibility as your friend to tell you that it's not. Just tell me what to do. You know that nice red bicycle that you have? Yes. Are you gonna dust off old red? 
and you're going to get on a ferry. I'm sending you to my dad's place. There's no TV, there's no internet, there's nothing. It's just you. Do they have forks? It's just you and we have a couple of forks, yeah. I might need to stab myself in the face. <laughs> ah! Sorry, sorry, sorry! I got the wrong house and I, I... Hey, you're Hannah. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'm Iris's friend Jack. You're on an island. It's three in the morning and you're drinking by yourself. What's going on? I just walked out on a seven-year relationship. Whoa. Hence the tequila. I gotta say, not so terrible to have a drinking buddy. That's Going down, getting weird. <laughs> Dad! What are you doing here? What? Did you meet my sister? I've been wanting you to meet I her. did, we met last night. I know, it's crazy. How, what, why are you, what, how did the, what are you doing here? You don't think she'd be upset if you told her we had sex? Why? Because she's your sister. I'm yeah. her best friend, and it's weird. Do you have a thing for my sister? I, I do not have a thing for your sister. Do you like Jack? I don't know. He seems like a nice guy. I think I'm in love with him. <laughs> You're right. It's um, better if she doesn't know. That's the first time I've seen you look really happy in a long time. I just feel like I should tell him. What's the matter? Why are you being so quiet? I have to tell you something. Why? Why did it have to be him? I really think your face is going to annoy me right now. My face always annoys you. Uh, my number six is your sister's sister and movies I usually do not like at all where it's just <laughs> drips independent film where it's a really small setting. It's just people talking and it has those um, uh, indie rock stuff throughout it. But what you're saying is if I CGI Emily Blunt into enter the void <laughs> then i'll watch it, watch it. <laughs> um but no i watch it because i watched all of emily blunt's films and she's just delightful and she's my favorite actress i just um love watching her because she's really attractive and she's really good and in this film she's just in love with mark duplass's character he goes to like the cabin meets her sister and they fuck and then they have <laughs> Not Emily Blunt and uh, the sister and her friend, but it was kind of Emily Blunt's chance to get him up there because she was in love with him. And um, yeah, just dynamics of a relationship. And everybody is really great in the movie. Oh, shit. John Krasinski, what are you doing here? Ryan, <laughs> let me jump in front of you. <laughs> he just gave a look to the camera that we yeah. have here. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, John, but yeah. No, I just... Uh, yeah, it's just a fun movie. John Krasinski, Ryan Frost is trying to break up your family. <laughs> you should stop him. <laughs> He's going to take you to a quiet place and beat the shit out of you. <laughs> Most expensive shot in the movie. Um, Henry. Henry, number six. Uh, my number six film is a fantastic film that I'd argue you have to be insane, not smart, and hateful in order to like. 25 years of marriage and you have nothing to say? I'll just say it. I slept with someone. If Holy you cow, keep talking, but, I'm gonna get out of the car. I think the fact that I did it, it just shows how broken we are. Okay. How much, how much we really... Oh my God! Help! 
getting a divorce? Yeah. Amy heard you crying in the bathroom. We all thought it was cancer. Oh. Thank God, man. Yeah, just my relationship. <laughs> Hi, can I buy you a drink? Uh-huh. Let's get out of here. Want to get out of here? What are you doing later? <laughs> I don't know. I do. There's lots of beautiful women in this bar, but I can't take my eyes off of you. It's time to go home. Oh, it's forward of you, but okay. Yeah. Should uh, I pull the car around? Have you been drinking? I'll drive. Hey, ladies man guy. Any tips of the trade? Your wife cheated on you because you lost sight of who you are as a man. Let's talk about how many women you've been with. Sexually? Yeah, no. I mean breakdance fighting. One. No, not at one time. You gotta take control of your manhood, pal. Some clothes, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this bothering you? No, it's not. Yeah, my chiffon is in your face for 20 minutes. If it's not bothering you, we got a bigger problem. What do you want to do with me? I want to show you off to my ex-wife to make her really jealous. <laughs> oh man! I met a girl, and she is a game changer. She's your soulmate, right? Go get her back. Wow, how old are you? <laughs> I'm in love with her, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know when you and I stopped being us. You know, when I told you that I had to work late, I really went to see the new Twilight movie by myself. And it was so bad. Take off your shirt. Why? Will you take off your shirt? Seriously? It's like you're photoshopped. Yeah. Yeah. So my number uh, six film is Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, I uh, cannot remember the name of the directing pair behind this film. However, uh, I really like them. They're kind. Of, I think they're very underrated in the fact that they... Uh, no one ever talks about this genre anymore, but they have really nailed the romantic comedy genre down to a T. Uh, Glenn Ferraca uh, and did John Rockwa. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, Glenn Ferraca and John Rockwa. Gotcha, thank you. Uh, they also did I Love You, Philip Morris, and Focus, uh, just for examples of other work they've done. Uh, but uh, I really like this movie, as I think everyone does. I have not met a single person who has seen this film and was like, I'm not a fan of that film. It's a little too happy for me. If you if uh, you uh, oh, if you do the worst, yeah. If you do, send them my way, and I'll uh, give them a, what for. Oh, I'll send them your way for for you to open up a can of whoop ass on them, Zach. Um, but uh, yeah, my uh, number six film, Great Stupid Love. It's adorable. It's great. Such a great ensemble cast. We don't really get these kinds of heartwarming movies anymore. But uh, yeah, Great Stupid Love, number six, greatest film ever, except for the next five. This was the dawn of the uh, Stone Gosling pair up yes a pair up that uh compares with the likes of uh rogers and astaire bogey and bacall dumb and dumber no. <laughs> <laughs> all right brad halfway home no you're at second uh, base no it's zach oh sorry because he has a repeat oh yeah my number six is a repeat it's the artist hmm. not um, that far off yeah no not not really um yeah uh Hannah Vicious was really good at taking the silent movie motif and creating a story that was genuine to the period that it's set. Um, up before this, we really only had silent movie by Mel Brooks um, in terms of homaging this particular element of film. And um, 
he gets a lot right with interpreting elements of John Gilbert and Rudolph Valentino and uh, stating it's funny enough. It's like, I know it's a kind of a cheesy commentary on the, on the uh, film world, but it oddly held holds up today in a world where we're at this division between blockbusters and art films. And, um, and uh, I think John Dujardin is great. Uh, Bisha Phillips is wonderful. Or uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but um, you also get this supporting cast of um, John Goodman, Malcolm McDowell, uh, you, 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 there's a genuine like heart. Like I, I think it's impossible to watch this movie and not have your heart warmed by it. Um, is it the best movie of the year? Should it have won the Oscar? I, I don't think so, but it's really, really good with what it's doing. Um, and it, uh, the only real like knock about that I have with it is that I think I wish he would have done less title cards and tried to go for um more communication. But uh, he he. I want to say 80% of this movie is done through pure cinema in a, in a fantastic fashion. So, um, and I love the ending. I'm not always a fan of the silent movie suddenly going to sound at the end and having dialogue, but, uh, this one and silent movie are the ones that do it the best. And, uh, so yeah, the, the artist, um, it's, it's really adorable guys. Like I know it has the pomposity of the Oscar behind it, but if you look past that, you'll find a really loving tribute to the silent era and, the stars that get lost in the wake of sound. It's pretty remarkable. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. You're on second base, Brad. Bring my, us home. My number five is a Spielberg movie. I've got nothing against your friends. I like your friends. Now things have obviously changed for us have to help Charles finish his movie. Be good for you to spend some time with kids who don't run around with cameras and monster makeup. Uh, could you close your eyes, please? Yeah. And action! freighter derailed what the cargo was on that freighter we don't know we can't tell anyone i know i understand you have concerns about our cargo colonel there isn't anything else that i should know is there i can assure you the answer is no we've gotten calls from people who found local dogs but the calls coming in aren't local it's like they all just ran away i've got property damage i've got theft I've got nine people missing now. There are things happening around here that I can't explain. We have to find this thing. I don't feel good about this. Go! I saw it. No one believes me. I believe you. What the hell?
Oh, did I say Spielberg movie? I, I meant Spielbergian movie. You mm. motherfucker. Uh, my number five is Super 8. Um, and yeah, it's like the greatest hits of Spielberg movies <laughs> mashed into one. Um, it has maybe my favorite uh, credit scenes ever of the zombie movie they make. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. A bunch of kids trying to make Super 8 films and they encounter a alien visitor that wreaks havoc on the town and um you know i enjoy like as someone who wanted to make movies as a kid but couldn't you know live a little vicariously through this movie so yeah super eight is great yeah kid actors in it are incredible yeah i love that at the end of the movie you get to watch the movie they made that 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 warms my heart to watch movie's great that was a fun theater watch too and i love how it ends with the electric light orchestra don't bring me down Ooh. Ryan. Uh, yeah, mine's also a kid film, my number five. She's one of the best investigators I have. But? She's different. Uh, in what way? In every way. Something wrong with the report? Anything you chose not to disclose. He's clean, in my opinion. He's honest. Our credibility isn't dead yet. Mine is. He's had a long-standing sexual relationship with his co-editor of the magazine. Sometimes he pleasures her. Not often enough, in my opinion. No, you're right not to include that. I need your help. You come stay on the island. A way of avoiding all those people you might want to avoid right now. You will be investigating thieves, misers, bullies, the most detestable collection of people that you will ever meet. My family. This is Harriet. Someone in the family murdered Harriet. And for the past 40 years, has been trying to drive me insane. Those are from her, and the rest from her killer. To adapt to four foster homes. Were arrested twice for intoxication, twice for assault. How many partners have you had in the last month? And how many of those were men? I should have control of my money. And you will, once you learn to be sociable. Why don't we start with me? You know what to do. I can't find something you've been unable to find in 40 years. You don't know that. You have a very keen investigative mind. You were here that day. A terrible day. Searching and finding. I never found a body. Was it spontaneous? Was it calculated? Did she know something? Someone wished she didn't. The last time I reported on something without being absolutely sure, I lost my life savings. I need a research assistant. I know an excellent one. She did the background check on you. The what? You don't think we could hire just anyone for something like this? It's Mikhail Blomqvist. May I come in? We need to talk. Hey, hey, who do you think you are? Put some clothes on. Get rid of your girlfriend. Can I call you Elizabeth? I want you to help me catch a killer of women. I've got absolutely no idea of how they're connected to the death of a 16-year-old girl. Don't you need to look over these? I got it. It's better to look at what I am about to show you on an empty stomach. What are you doing? Reading your notes. They're encrypted. This. Rape, torture, fire, animals, religion. Am I missing anything? The names. I may have something. Nobody likes people poking around in their lives. Everybody knows why you're here. 
Someone killed her. Someone on the island that day. If a woman approaches any beast and dies for death, you shall kill the woman and the beast. These people are insane. Soon you will know us all, only too well, with my apologies. So my number five film is the awesome children's film, The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which stars Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara as a journalist who's trying to uncover a murder and family secrets on a Swedish island. And um, he enlists the help of The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. And it's uh, beautifully shot. It's really depressing. Um, but it's really cool. And... I was commenting during the trailer. I don't think I could ever work for David Fincher because I was just telling Brad, there's a scene where Daniel Craig like leans forward in a car. I said, could you imagine doing that a hundred times trying to get it right? Mm -hmm. And what could you possibly have got on take 78 that you didn't get on take 42, you know? And so I don't think I could ever work for him if I was an actor, but do go fuck yourself. I'm not going to say this any other way, Um, but no, but he makes great movies. They look good. And obviously uh, would be in the minority because all the big stars want to work for him. Um. Yeah, the girl with the dragon tattoo. It's a good remake. It's it. I think I like the foreign versions better. I guess just I don't know why, but like it's because it's weird. Like the, those ones are homaging Fincher movies, and then Fincher homages or like does the homage himself. So yeah, but it's great cast too. Yeah, it's awesome. Christopher Plummer's telling Skarsgård. Everybody's rocking in that. Good stuff, mm-hmm. Henry. Number five. Uh, my number five film is arguably as dark and disturbing and artistic as I think uh, *Girl with a Dragon Tattoo* uh, comes out of Brazil, and uh, I think you'll I think you'll all like it.
Of course. My number five film is Fast Five. Admittably, this is actually my number four. But this has five in the title, so I had to make it number five. Uh, this is arguably one of the best Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, this is the one where they all come together, the Avengers of the Fast and the Furious films, if you will. Uh, where we got some people from one, some people from two, some people from three. They're all coming together, and it's a big smorgasbord of everyone's favorite characters, all in Brazil, and they're going on a heist. And we have our new character, Luke Hobbs, and his assistant, woman whose name I can't remember. <laughs> and, they're, and, they're, and they're here to stop Vin Diesel, Dominic Toretto, and his crew from stealing the biggest safe in all of Brazil. There's a bigger plot here that I can't remember or make <laughs> sense of, but that's the plot of Fast Five. It's a heist movie with Luke Hobbs and Dominic Toretto coming this fall to FX. <laughs> remember uh, the scene where they have The Rock and Vin Diesel looking eye to eye and you don't see the milk crates Vin Diesel stepping on? <laughs> oh, it's so great. <laughs> Welcome to Rio! You hear them kind of wobbling behind them? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to turn your back on fat. Oh, hold on a second. Lost my balance. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to see the greatest movie ever made, check out Fast Five. <laughs> Somewhere Paddington's rolling over in his grave. You're going to turn oh, your back you w- on Paddington? Just wait till Paddington joins the family. It's going to be great. Oh, that <laughs> oh would my be God. Awesome. If he drove, drove a car into space and then came back down and defeated all the other villains with laser beams. I, I still think the greatest Twitter feed right now is... I randomly insert Paddington into movies every day until I forget. Great stuff. Uh, my favorite Plug. one. My favorite one still is on the Paddington Twitter feed. It said, that, "Boy, it's rather hot today." And Letterbox showed a picture of a guy pointing a gun at the sun and said, "Is the sun bothering you, King?" <laughs> Zach, yeah. you're number five. My number five is a repeat. It's Red State. Um. Yeah, Kevin had this script in the works for so long, and I was so fucking happy that he was able to get it made. Um, And especially knowing what we know now, uh, him breaking away from Weinstein Company and Miramax uh, to kind of forge his own path. Um, I know that everybody's a fan of all the things that have uh, resulted in um, Kevin going down the more, the even more independent route, but. he gave Michael Parks this wonderful showcase. He addressed a very, very crucial issue um, in American society via his own smart take on it. Um, and and D- Brad already alluded to it. This is one of the best cinematography jobs Dave Klein ever did. Um, the cast all around is superb. Kevin, Kevin Pollack, John Goodman, Melissa Leo. Everybody's hitting on all five cylinders. There's a lot of tension there. Um it's a genuinely shocking and terrifying movie. And then when it becomes a Waco movie, it gets out of control and I love it. Uh, I agree. The ending is short shrift. Um, I still like it cause I like hearing Kevin's dialogue, but uh, the monologue in question is very um, taxing. Uh, but the very final shot of the movie with Aben Cooper still singing in his cell uh, and then you hear Kevin off screen going, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, um, I think if there's any like sentiment that I've wanted to carry into the last like couple of years, um, when it comes to people rambling and raving like this in a crazy conspiracy nut fashion, it is just shut the fuck up and 
That's why I think the movie still holds up. I've watched this movie no less than 15 times. And a lot of it was uh, when it came onto Netflix and it's just, it's a slick, slick, efficient movie that I, I don't think gets enough credit. I, I really wish that more people would pay this movie attention. Um, and I agree with Kevin. Michael Park should have been nominated for best actor at the Oscars for this movie. He is giving one of the best performances of this year. So, so yeah, red state, wonderful, wonderful motion picture. Absolutely. Great. Brad four. Uh, my number four is a pretty rad mission. If you choose to accept it, huh? Com check. We're live. Target acquired. What the hell is that? Abort. Ethan, what happened in the Kremlin? It was a setup. The Russians are classifying this as an undeclared act of war. The blame points to you and your team. The president has initiated ghost protocol. The entire IMF has been disavowed. So what happens now? Your mission, should you choose to accept it. The secretary is dead. The four of us are all that remains of the IMF. No safe house, no support or extraction. Everyone connected with this man is an asset with valuable information. We come back with our target, or we don't come back. And uh, how do you propose that we do that? We take him out. Yeah, we take him out, but you know, discreetly. Discreetly. is over before it even begins. Would you care to explain yourself, Brandt? Who are you, really? We all have our secrets. Don't we, Ethan? Okay, this is a slight wrinkle. We're gonna have to go into the server room from the outside. We? I'm, I'm on the computer. Uh, yeah, my number four is Mission Impossible. You sweeping motherfucker. Four. <laughs> um, Ghost Protocol. Um, yeah, it's uh, still... The Mission Impossible with probably the best stunt sequences. Um, yeah, it's great. Is this where the franchise started becoming more of a stunt extravaganza? Yeah, I think it's when uh, Tom Cruise is like, hey, each of these movies is going to have one blow-your-mind action set piece. Where I might die. <laughs> where I might die. Yeah. I'm going to put my life on the line for these movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's just awesome. I... That whole sequence in the Burj Khalifa, I think it's called, yep. was just like I was literally like digging my fingers into the armrests, just 
<laughs> feeling like I was going to fall out of that building myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, I guess I can talk about it now. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, they, it, I remember that they didn't know if they wanted to continue with Tom Cruise and Jeremy Renner was, you know, maybe going to take the mantle. And then you realize that he is, you know, mission impossible. And, uh, yeah, this movie's awesome. That's not true. Martin Lando was Mission Impossible. It's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't mean to bring old people terms into this. But no, this movie's great. This is this was um I was not like I was not impressed by the Mission Impossible franchise, but the reviews coming out for this and this is Brad Bird by the way too. Mm-hmm. Um coming out for this, I was just like I got to I got to see why, why people are saying this is one of the best Mission Impossible movies and I was like, "Oh, that's why cuz it's fun and it's fucking dope." Yeah, I love the franchise. I think the franchise is awesome. I learned to love it. I think I think you had a hand in me really appreciating those just just to have fun with these movies. Was it me or is it Tom Cruise running? No, nah, it was you. Oh, okay. Tom Cruise runs in other movies too. But does he run as cool as he does in Mission Impossible Three? Remember when he's running through like the whole? Uh, yeah, like, I forget where they're at, <laughs> but he runs through a whole neighborhood. The only thing that the that the Mission Impossible movies are missing is Werner Herzog as a villain who pets rabbits. <laughs> Did you really say mission over and then press the button? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Like that I, that scene where they're fighting in the car garage is so brutal. And uh, I, it's one of those things where you watch, say, I guess it's PG-13 because there's really no gore. But there's people getting knees broken and the dude who has a car fall on him. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty brutal. Um, my number four film is something I could do all day. I know this neighborhood. I got beat up in that alley. You just don't know when to give up. I could do this all day. Do you have something against running away? If you start running, they'll never let you stop. You really gonna do this now? There are men laying down their lives. I got no right to do any less than them. I can offer you a chance. Our goal is to create a new breed of super soldiers. When you brought a 90-pound asthmatic onto my army base, I let it slide. I am looking for qualities beyond the physical. You win wars with guts. Grenade! Everybody down! Is this a test? He's still skinny. Whatever happens, stay who you are. Not just a soldier, but a good man. Is it too late to go to the bathroom? <laughs> actually did it who the hell are you the force of many hydra is the nazi deep science division led by johann schmidt he thinks he's a god and he's willing to blow up half the world to prove it you're not even close to this technology i asked for an army and all i got was you congratulations you just got promoted. Mr. Stark? I had some ideas about the uniform. You're gonna get so many girls. Captain, we are much alike. I don't know if I can do this. You won't be alone. What made you so special? Nothing. 
I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. Perfect. Uh, my number four film is Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, this is probably the Marvel movie that's grown on me the most. Um, Fuck yeah. Doug. As you go through the Marvel cinematic universe. And I mean, yeah, Captain America is one of the greatest heroes of all time. But as each film adds more weight to this story, it just makes me appreciate it that much more. Uh, Joe Johnston, the director, had a great kind of Art Deco feel to it. Um, it felt like it was shot in the 40s, but modern. Um, and Chris Evans, I mean, now we're 10 years later. What else can you say about him as Captain America? He He's, has been doing this all day. Yeah. it's uh, Forever. It's great stuff. And yeah, I like it. Yeah. I love Captain America. And, you know, the... I just watched Civil War and just the, you know, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn line and, you know, just all the callbacks when you go through and rewatch these films is pretty ingenious. So, yeah, my number four, Captain America, the first Avenger. Henry, number four. Uh, my number four is a repeat. My number four is uh, X-Men First Class, uh, the film that introduced me to Michael Fassbender, one of my favorite uh, actors. And a few months later, I'd be introduced to Michael Fassbender's penis in another movie. Uh, and uh, it was uh, a pretty lovely experience. Uh, really formative of uh, freshman uh, age Henry Jarvis. And so, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, we already talked about uh, First Class a little bit. But uh, I love this movie. I th it's, my, it's my personal favorite of the X-Men films. Uh, I just love the era. I love Kevin Bacon. I love the everything about this movie. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. X-Men First Class. If you want to watch the greatest X-Men movie ever made, uh, you can go watch that film. It is a good one. I mean, my 10th, so I really ruined it for you, Henry. Sorry. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> as the horror person, I'm used to things being swept for me, so. <laughs> Zach? All right. My number four is Jason Reitman's best movie. Welcome to Hampton Inn. Do you have a reservation? No. Is that a dog in your bag? Nope. We actually allow small pets with a cleaning deposit. Good, because I have a small dog in my vehicle. What are you doing back in Mercury? Are you, you move back or? Of course not. Gross. Here's the deal. Buddy Slade and I are meant to be together, and I'm here to get him back. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's married with a kid on the way. No, nope, kid's here. I'm cool with it. I mean, I've got baggage, too. I would keep all of this to yourself. I would I would find a therapist. That new baby of his is just darling. Have you seen it? Up close? Shot. You know what? Oh my god. She's 
You are a piece of work. Can I help you find something? I'm going to a rock concert with an old flame. Let's show him what he's been missing. No, he's seen me recently, he knows. But his wife hasn't seen me in a while, so... You can come to the city with me like we always planned. Mavis, I'm a married man. We can beat this thing together. So yeah, my number four is Young Adult. Um, it's a uh, nonstop series of awkward events uh, unfolding courtesy of Charlize Theron with a script by Diablo Cody. Um, it's about a uh, children's uh, or young adult author um, who's become an alcoholic wreck and goes back to her hometown to reconnect with her old boyfriend who is already married with a kid along the way. And she finds uh, companionship in, of sorts in a, um, reconnecting with a kid that used to get bullied in school, played by um, Patton Oswalt. Uh, the, the amount, I don't think I'd ever seen a movie this awkward before. Um, everything that happens in this film is cringeworthy uh, from the perspective of just this woman not having a clue um, and kind of learning how to own herself. And uh, I just love the way Reitman directs that interaction. I think it's just, if you, if, I don't know if anybody else here has seen the movie, but if you haven't, uh, you, you, I, I, I challenge you to not feel that, that tension in every single moment. And Patton Oswalt trying to plead with her, like, you're fucking crazy. Stop it. Um, and the year that this came out, I was so fucking upset that both... Patton Oswalt and another actor in another movie uh, were nominated for Best Supporting Actor because I think Patton Oswalt gives an amazing performance in this movie. Um, it's 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 the clear conscience of the film, but it also carries its own little weight to it that I think goes undervalued. So um, and just shot beautifully. It's just a lovely, lovely human tragic comedy uh, coming out of it. And I think right, I want Reitman to do more movies like this again. Um, but uh, until then, I still haven't seen Tully actually, so maybe maybe I'm getting what I want out of that. But but yeah, if you haven't watched it, it it kind of flew under the radar in 2011, um, despite having like a big a big enough budget behind it. Um, but I would check it out if you can get a chance. It's great. All right, Brad, number three. Uh, my number three used to be my number one. I used to be like you. A long time. People look at you and think of how wonderful your future will be. They want you to be something special, like a doctor or a lawyer. I hate to tell you this, but if you grow up here, you're more likely to wind up selling your bodies on the streets or shooting dope from dirty needles in a bus stop. If you're successful, you'll make money selling junk to crackheads. They won't think twice about killing someone's wife. Because you won't even know what was wrong in the first place. Maybe you'll end up like me. 
Yeah, my number three is Hobo with a Shotgun. Um, uh, can you say it like Rucker Howard, please? Hobo with a shotgun. <laughs> Hobo with a shotgun. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a homage to schl- schlocky 80s B-movies. Um, yeah, it, it has when, like this n- er, uh, late 70s, early 80s feel to it. Yeah. Um, and Rucker Howard's just a hobo. Like, all he wants is to buy a lawnmower. Um, and then, like, this douchey corporate guy and his shitty kids just uh, get in his way of accomplishing that goal. And Is uh, this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was this like a fake trailer and then they made it into a movie? It was uh, part of a Grindhouse trailer contest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought so. Yeah. So they did a test movie and then they made the real movie. And yeah, it's 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 great. It's, it's, it's tons of fun. It's got great gore and... <laughs> shitty special effects <laughs> and stuff but just it's it, it's uh, a great homage to that what i always love about your list brad is you always have these serious movies and then you always happen to throw in some schlocky <laughs> movie whether it's father's day or hobo with a shotgun um they always pop up on your list yeah i appreciate people yeah. making weird out of the norm stuff yep so uh yeah check it out um and yeah in 10 years it's fallen a little bit because the two above it have kind of impressed me more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll see. Uh, my number three is a repeat because Brad is a f- prick. You know what, man? You No, <laughs> you. This is the end of this show. No, get back. Get back. Mom, I'm sorry. Dad, stop fighting. We'll work everything out. Everything will be okay. Yay, we're a family again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, God, no. Um, my number three is Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Uh, yeah, no, we talked about it er, like ten minutes ago. It's it's awesome. I I think Tom Cruise makes the most entertaining films in Hollywood. Uh, I've always said that he doesn't make a bad movie. He might not make a good movie every once in a while, but I can watch them all and still be entertained. Um, and if you listen to him talk and how much he just loves film, you can see why it, he's so passionate and why his movies usually turn out pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, is because he cares about the audience and he doesn't he gave up i think trying to get an oscar after magnolia and he's decided that he's just going to f- focus on entertaining people and um yeah and he continues to do it with it's mission impossible or you know top gun that keeps on getting delayed but you know what we do is we just need a campaign for an oscar for best running yeah that'd be awesome and then he'll mm-hmm. nail it yeah or even best stunts you know it's something I thought about recently for the trailer for Licorice Pizza with Bradley Cooper smashing those uh, car windows. I was just like, that would have been great for Tom Cruise to do to play John Pierce. <laughs> like, that would have been a fun role for him. But yeah. I kind of hope he works with PTA again. Yeah, he, cool. he. I'm sure. He, I mean, he might. But it's not. I think, he, like I said, I think he kind of gave up on that because he says, you know what? I was going to make things that entertain people. Not a three hour long movie that's depressing. It's good. It's just depressing. <laughs> I like how you had to point your finger yeah. at me. <laughs> I mean, uh, but no, I mean, I think he's great in Magnolia. I think that's probably his best performance. But um, yeah, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Henry, number three. Yes, my number three is a documentary, actually. 
uh, and as we all know, I'm also the biggest football fan uh, of the group. Uh, you, every time we talk to Henry, it's always, what's going on with the big game? Is Are we going to score the eight touchdowns? Is it going to be a slam dunk? We all know me. And uh, this film, I think, accurately depicts that. Henry, any given Sunday isn't a documentary. Uh, or a good <laughs> Let's see here. Starting right guard shot, no longer in school. Starting wheel linebacker shot, no longer in school. Two players fighting right in front of the coach. Starting center arrested. Most coaches, that would be pretty much a career's worth of crap to deal with. I think that sums up the last two weeks for me. For almost 14 years, we never won a football game. Oh my God in heaven. Chavis has serious anger issues. Stop. Stop. You go over there, Mike. Montreal is dealing with the death of his father. When he died, I knew I was on my own. Number 77, O.C. Brown. O.C.'s grades wasn't up like they supposed to be. He's going to lose enough to go do something with his life. I want them to rise above the inner city knock. Man open, and he dropped it. And answers about to fall to 0-1. Anybody can be a champ. It takes a man to stand up when this thing hits you in the mouth because it hurts. Everybody says when you get these inner city kids down, they'll lay over and you'll beat them by 40. Not us. You got to believe in yourselves, fellas. Four of those guys have taken some beating here. There's a Manassas player down. God, I hope we didn't just lose him. Two things mean most. The thing to him in the world is his father and football. And we got to make sure we're there for him. Money, whatever you're going through, I promise it'll get better. This is an unbelievably good opportunity. You're down 20 nothing. You come back from that, now you're talking about something. 1-0-3 to go. Season comes to a close for somebody here tonight. You think football builds character. It does not. He's going to throw it. He pulls it in. Football reveals character. So yeah, Undefeated is my number three. It is It won Best Documentary of the Oscars the year it came out. Uh, it's a great kind of uh, sports movie. Kind of showing a high school football team that uh, might not succeed. But then, despite the odds, maybe they will succeed. Uh, that's the plot of every uh, football movie ever made. Uh, but this one's real. Uh, and it feels it feels great. It's a very heartwarming movie. I, I It's... I'm not a big sports person, unlike what I previously lied about. But uh, I will say that there's something exciting about sports movies, about things coming together and your team winning. Anyway, number three, undefeated. Sports movies uh, tend to get everybody excited because of yeah. the underdog story. And yeah. um, you root for people. Yeah. This has been explaining sports films with Ryan and Henry. Yes. <laughs> number three, Zach. My number three is a repeat. It's Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah. Um, so as we all know, I am the world's biggest Marvel fan and the world's biggest MCU fan. Son of a bitch. And so um, uh, clearly this was a no brainer to put this near the very top of the list. Um, it's weird because none of those movies are in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's strange, but this one does have forties aesthetic 
It's a World War II movie. Uh, it adheres to Captain America mythos and uh, its origins quite grandly. Um, Joe Johnston is a hell of a director. Um, so, of course, you get the director of The Rocketeer to do a movie like this. Um, I think it goes back to something I love about Marvel movies when they start off is that they are insular stories. And this is really about showing Steve Rogers' heart. And I love how they built off of that for the sequels. Um, we get the origin point here in, in a grand fashion. Um, I, I'm enamored by the aesthetic of the piece, as I said before. Uh, I think Hugo Weaving is a fantastic Red Skull. And I, I, I don't think the guy who did him in Endgame is bad or anything. I just kind of wish he had come back. Um you got Haley Atwell killing it as Agent Carter. Um, Tommy Lee Jones is hilarious in this movie. He has, I, I love it when he goes into uh, uh, Toby Jones's cell and he's going like, uh, what is that steak? <laughs> What's in it? Cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, he, and he, uh, you know, and just, just the building of the mythos and what Hydra would become like the only quip quibble that I've ever had with this movie is that they're not technically fighting Nazis. They're fighting Hydra, but they're interchangeable for me. It doesn't really matter. Um, but you also do get to see him punch out Hitler several times. Um, the other thing too, um, the propaganda aspect of captain America being addressed. That was, I didn't think you'd do that in a Marvel movie or any superhero movie period. Um, but the idea of like inserting the war bond element and the war bond drives into it is fantastic. I think, I think, uh, the, the screen, the screenwriters who would go on to do Endgame and also pain and gain just, they have a good sense of how to do meta humor without putting it on the nose. Um, and I love the last line, even though it's a tease for the Avengers, I love the last line where it's just like, I had a date. Um, and, it's a movie that is clearly inspired by golden age Hollywood in several factors, not the least of which the aesthetic, but also the very end of the movie where he's got to land the, 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 the plane um, is, is a direct callback to the opening of a matter of life and death, which is remarkable. You know, they're using film language of the past to put into these movies. And that's why the Marvel movies work. They are speaking to cinematic language that we know while still putting their own spin on it. So, so yeah, number three, Captain America, the first Avenger. It's incredible. It's great. And Chris Evans is super cool. And how. Brad, number two. Uh, my number two, you do not cut in line. <laughs> I knew I was losing her. Excuse me. Have you seen my wife? I don't think she wants to see you anymore. What? Sarah! Don't touch my car again. I'm going. That's not the kind of touching I meant. Jock, he stole my wife. Can you arrest him? Sometimes it's better just to accept these things. <laughs> Batman. Batarang, pipe bombs, utility belts. Utility uh, belts. Green Arrow has a bow and arrow. Okay. Why do you need all those? I'm making up my own superhero. He needs a weapon. That'll do. Cool. All it takes to be a superhero is the choice to fight evil. Shut up, crime. Don't steal. Don't deal drugs. 
kids. Brutal assault by the Crimson Bolt continued last night. No, it's cool. I could be your kid's sidekick. Ta-da! How do I look? That's inappropriate. Frank is the only thing that will save me. We will take those suckers down. It's good. Let's do this. You just sit here and wait for crime to happen? That's right. <sighs> this is so boring. Yes, I could tell you now it's looking. You're supposed to kill him. I'm just learning. You have to teach me these things. This is not about good and evil. This is about she loved me more because I am interesting. My number two last time and still this time is Super, James Gunn's original superhero movie um, where Rain Wilson plays a guy whose life is falling apart. Um, his girlfriend leaves him and he can't handle it, so he turns to stopping crime as a vigilante with no powers. Uh, he's armed with a with a wrench <laughs> <laughs> and he just uh, beats the shit out of people who he thinks are doing wrong. And then uh, he comes across, I guess now Elliot page. It's a, uh, it's weird and bizarre in places, especially when his like brain gets <laughs> anointed by, by guard. The God. Uh, yeah. It's a uh, pretty wild. Yeah. It's a, it's a definitely different movie, but it's fun. Yeah. And it like, it, it was weird. Cause at the time, like kick-ass had come out like yeah. the, the year before. Yeah. That's kind of in the same vein of, you know, real people trying to be superheroes mm-hmm. with no powers. And, um, this, yeah, it's definitely like the indie low budget vibe version of that. So yeah, super. My number two. My number two is a repeat. Thanks to Brad <laughs> again. Screw you, dude. Uh, it's super eight. Uh, I love this movie. I love the kids in it. I love the direction. I, yeah, it, you're right. It's an eighties film. Spielbergian. And, but to me, that's what I love in life. I love uh, that aesthetic and I love. You love kids with divorced parents. Yeah, because that's what I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, it's it's really fun. Um, But yeah, even growing up, I used to have this camcorder that would only connect to your VCR and it would only record in black and white. So I used to make these really shitty, like, ghost story movies with it. Um, but you could only, you can, I could never leave my dad's living room. So everything took place in one room. Um, but it just reminded me of that a lot. And yeah, it's just a fun movie. Yep. And that is super eight. Henry number dos. If you're interested in seeing my number dos film, prepare for the most fucked up film that I've seen in recent years, uh, while also still maintaining and being an artistic masterpiece. My number two film is this.
Norma. Norma. My uh, number two film is The Skin I Live In. Uh, it's uh, a very disturbing movie. The base I don't want to give away too much, because it's, it's also one of those films where you enter it and you're like, oh, this is going to be this kind of fucked up movie. And then halfway through, you're like, wait a second. They're not actually doing that, are they? <laughs> um, and it, it just gets more and more fucked up as it goes on. It, it does not cease to grab you by the throat and shake you around. This is a uh, Pedro Almodovar film, and one thing I love about him is that he doesn't... He, he's often described as melodramatic uh, in a lot of his writing style, but what I like about him is that he just does whatever the fuck he wants. He doesn't really care about how subtle or how realistic or really anything about that. He just does whatever the fuck he wants to do. Uh, <laughs> and But anyway, the, me up, the me down, plot that I can mother. give... Yeah, <laughs> the plot that I can give about this film without really giving away a massive fucked up element of it is that Antonio Banderas is a skin doctor who decides to get revenge on the man who rapes his daughter. Uh, and oh my god, <laughs> it is an extraordinarily fucked up film. You might have noticed in the trailer the man in a leopard leotard licking the television set. Uh, that's in the first 15 minutes, and that's the most normal thing <laughs> of this fucking movie. And so, yeah, this skin I live in. It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I recommend it to everyone, and it is, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> is it fucked up. <laughs> yeah, so... it's kind of hard to talk about this movie without wanting to deep dive it because of what happens. Uh, I, I remember seeing this in a friend's living room and just cringing... And feeling squeamish. It's just so remarkably directed. Oh, my yeah. God. And Banderas is amazing in it, too. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. Everyone in this is... Oh, my God. I mean, it, like, what, like Zach said, it's so difficult to talk about this movie without revealing what this movie's about. <laughs> Ryan, we just got to get you to watch the movie. I think you really will fucking like it. <laughs> I'll watch it. Looks good. Yeah. Looks weird. Uh, 
But anyway, that's my uh, that's my number two film. <laughs> All right, Zach. My number two is gonna piss off everybody, but it was my number one back in 2011. If I drive for you, you give me a time and a place. I give you a five minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes, and I'm yours, no matter what. I don't sit in while you're running it down. I don't carry a gun. I drive. So you just moved to LA? No, I've been here for a while. What do you do? I drive for movies. Is that dangerous? It's only part-time. You put this kid behind the wheel. There's nothing he can't do. Kid, I want you to meet Mr. Bernie Rose. My hands are a little dirty. So am I. My husband is coming home. Where is he? He's in prison. There's some guys that want me to do a job for him, and I'm not going to do it. What is that you got there? One of those men gave you that? What's the job? When you get your money, his debt's paid. You never go near his family again. There'd be a second car. He said there'd be another car to hold us up. Whose money do I have? I'm gonna tell you something. Anybody finds out we're both dead. That's why this driver's gotta go, Bernie. He's gotta go. Any dreams you have or plans for your future, I think you're gonna have to put that on hold. For the rest of your life, you're gonna be looking over your shoulder. All right. Number two is Drive. Was my number one. Another movie has affected me a little bit more. Still should have been. <laughs> um, Ryan Gosling plays the guy who drives. And then... Falls in love, and then he's like a good guy version of stuntman Mike. <laughs> yeah, good call, good call. Um, that uh, uh, is working to protect the uh, husband of the woman he loves, and when things go south, he goes on a revenge spree, um, and it's all intertwined with a guy who's technically sponsoring him in his races. Um, and uh, this movie has such a wonderful definition of the western heroic mythos um in a lot of ways it's kind of like a good bad and the ugly um fistful of dollars kind of movie but with cars in la and refin for for all the for, for all the uh flack about any other work he's done since this uh Shit. it's clear it's clear he i i like i like what he's done i don't think only god forgives is a piece of trash um i think it's fine um, but I think that he has a distinct style that I think this film definitely influenced a lot of other filmmakers going forward. It's undeniable. 
Uh, it's a shame that this film was not properly uh, received box office wise because I think given a little bit more exposure or like a little bit more push. I don't know. I think it's too dark and too uh, I, I, insane for it to have like a any like huge following. I, I feel like I don't want to disagree, but I just feel like it's almost like the distributor film district. I wish they did. They'd had a bigger reach because this, this film didn't come out in like a ton of theaters by comparison to others. But yeah. I it, mean, I, I it's my number one film and I love this movie. Um, obviously it's Brad's number one film as well. So yeah. impeccable taste. Yeah. Um, really quickly before I, fin- I'll just say this. The other person that I wanted to get an Oscar nomination for this year was Albert Brooks as best supporting actor. This is like astounding work from him. He is incredible in this movie. He is terrifying. The scene where he, like, uh, the scene where he fucking kills that guy towards the end with the razor blade. Uh, that's fuck. That that has I, I. This is not on my list solely because I've not seen it in a really really long time, and this is one of those films that if I'm going to put on my list, I should probably see it again. Uh, but that scene. Oh my god, that has stuck with me for fucking a decade now. And him just efficiently cleaning himself up, like, uh, god, he's great in it, fantastic. But yeah, sorry guys. No, I. It, it's just one of those movies that does stick with you. Uh, I love the soundtrack in it. Um, you know, there's the shot in the trailer where he grips the hammer tighter is just really cool. His jacket is cool, <laughs> and he doesn't have that much dialogue in the movie. Uh, but he's, I don't know if he's a hero you won, but it's a hero you got. And I don't know, to me, it's one of those films that you go in seeing just because you want to see a movie and you go away and it blows your mind. I mean, I went to see it cause I was like, I was a big fan of Bronson. So I was like, cool. What's this guy doing next? And I remember in 2011, this was my number three back then on my list and I watched it and it was good, but like, since then, I've watched it many times, and it just grows and grows on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a double feature with it and Neon Demon together, and like that is just like a just a trip. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the soundtrack's amazing. Um, just the nuance to it, um, that opening sequence where he first drives those um, thieves, um, you know, does a lot with like, you know, there, there's not music accompanying that. It's yeah. just like it's all sound design and. Um, you know, later on when they're escaping the motel, um, just really intense. Like it just goes from quiet to intense so quickly, and yeah, you know, like yeah, all the bad guys in the movie. Like, there's really no hero in the movie. Like no. he he's the hero, but he you know he doesn't have the best temperament. Yeah, but you know, I think too, it's it's an interesting. Uh, Ryan Gosling's great in this movie because he plays it with such quiet intensity, and then when he has to act is when he kind of becomes unleashed. And it's, it, I don't know, it's just cool. It's just a cool movie. Yeah. Uh, if you ever get to watch it in the theater again, I highly recommend it because yeah. the sound design is amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Number one, baby. And number two is pretty close. So, Henry, your number one film of 2011. My number one film. The only thing stopping Drive from being my number one film is that Ryan Gosling never shows his penis in the movie. Unlike my number one film, which is...
You're the man. Your pitch, amazing, amazing. To nailing it. To nailing it. How'd it go last night? Good night. Uh-huh. Let's do it again tonight. And my sister's playing downtown somewhere. I stay for a few days. Angry. That's my boss. Hey, do you want to play? Your hard drive is filthy. I mean, it is dirty. Slowly. I'm trying to help you. How are you helping me, huh? You come in here and you're a weight on me. You're a burden. You want to get out of here? I could take you somewhere. We're family. We're meant to look after each other. Hey, Romeo! Shame. Uh, this movie, when I watch it, it it's has this weird like. What is this kind of? I felt this way with Uncut Gems. You know, you're stuck with this lead character, and he's just making horrible decisions throughout the film. <laughs> well, I feel like both this film and Uncut Gems are really uh, non-conventional ways to analyze addiction, uh, whether it be gambling addiction or sex addiction within this film. Uh, and I think th there is this kind of stress of watching this person just slowly destroy their life. Uh, and I think framing, I think this film framing it around sex is such an interesting thing that I've not seen before or since really. Uh, and I think Michael Fossbender really knocks it out of the park. I think the combination of Fossbender and McQueen is such a powerful uh, team uh, from hunger to this to 12 years a slave. It's a, uh, they really bring out the best in each other. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's great. Um, but yeah, I love it. Anyway, that's my number one. It's remained in my top, like, 50 for of all time, uh, ever since I saw it. Uh, and yeah, I love this movie. It's great. Uh, only 40% of my love for this film comes from uh, Michael Fassbender's massive, massive cock. And so, but yeah, so. Number one film, super good art film, and also really hot cock. Yes. So a funny story about this movie is, I don't know if it debuted at Telluride, but it played there. And my cousin Lisa, when they lived in Montrose, would go every year to the Telluride Film Festival. And so she went there and saw this movie and then bumped into Michael Fassbender um, while he was like walking towards the restroom. And I asked her if she followed him in because she saw the movie and she said, no, I, I saw enough. Um, <laughs> did she bump into him like six feet away? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I always tease my cousin when I see her. I say, I'll say, so uh, you bumped into Michael Fassbender, huh? And uh, tell me that story again. <laughs> but yeah. So I always think of <laughs> that movie and tell you right of my cousin because she met Michael Fassbender after that movie debuted there. God, I couldn't. I can't imagine being Michael Fassbender deba debuting that movie and then being like, "Hey, 
here's me. And so, like, well, I mean, I don't think he cares. He's like, yeah, you see that schlong up there? <laughs> I mean, listen, if you got diamonds, you got to show them off. So. <laughs> when you've got it, flaunt it. <laughs> Zach, number one. My number one is a film that has grown with me over time, uh, especially given what I do outside of the Real Nerds purview. It's also a movie that makes me very glad that James isn't here to yell at me. What is it? It's a wind-up figure, like a music box. Who built him? I would think a magician. You see this? A keyhole in the shape of a heart. Another mystery. I fixed the... It was fire. You're coming with me. Where are your parents, little man? Go! Hey! Make a side! Make a side, man! Hugo, where do you live? Is it a secret? Yes. Oh, good, I love secrets. So you're all alone? Not completely. Where did you get this? Why would my key fit into your father's machine? Do you want to have an adventure? Stop that child! Abraham! It's drawing. I think it's a message from my father. This is a treacherous place. Do you understand? Watch your step. It's Neverland and Oz and Treasure Island all wrapped into one. Are you sure about this? We could get into trouble. That's how you know it's an adventure. My life has taught me happy endings only happen in the movies. The story's not over yet. Yeah, my number one is uh, a film from Martin Please Love Me, James Scorsese, called Hugo. Um... I didn't know what to make of that trailer when it came out because I didn't. I, 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 my question was, why the fuck is Martin Scorsese making a kid's movie? Um, and then you watch the movie and you completely understand. This is a movie essentially about film restoration. Um, you know, like there's I love I, there's not a lot of kids movies that are out there that connect directly with this kind of subject matter at all. Um, there's like ones that have like the love of monster movies and stuff like that, like a monster squad or even a fright night. But I love that this film has all the trappings of a kid adventure movie and then subverts it with a history lesson. Um, I think there's an incredible amount of heart in this film that Scorsese never really gets to show off that is permeated throughout the film. Um, I cry when they're going through George Melies's history, um, there's there's shots of it where you watch a man's art being destroyed 
for the purposes of industry and war. Um, and there's an amazing edit that Thelma Schumacher does of showing them melting down his film prints of all the films that he had made with all these dazzling visual effects. And you just see a boot heel. And that's what it was doing. That's what they had to do to make shoe heels, melt all the stuff down. And, um, by the time you get to the end of the film where they're doing a retrospective and you are watching on a big screen in 3d footage from George Melies's films post converted in a way that is gorgeous. Um, combined with the fact that like, I, I know it's impossible to watch this movie in 3d now really, but if you got a chance to see this movie in 3d, this is a movie that understands 3d in a lot of ways. I would argue that this is the best 3d movie ever made because Martin Scorsese saw what James Cameron did with it, worked with Cameron on the technology and said, I'm going to tell a human story about this. And when it's all said and done, this is a, this is a family movie first and foremost, and it's about the unity of family and finding a family. But I love that it has so much interwoven with it. Um, Ben Kingsley. I don't, I think this is my favorite performance of his hands down. He's just so damn lovable in this movie. His arc is incredible as George Melies. So I know not everybody's a fan of it. I know Scorsese puts his foot in his mouth. I still love the man and I still love this movie. So, yeah, my number one, Hugo. Yeah, my I feel like this would actually be one of the few films that James would like of Scorsese's filmography. And yet he tells me that it's not a good movie and I don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, oh. Yeah, my favorite part of this movie is when it ended. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I say the greatest 3D movie of all time was Jackass 3D. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say yeah. that too. <laughs> wait, wait, you know what? Tie. <laughs> uh, yeah, this doesn't have a flying dildo. <laughs> yeah, this one has. A, this one has a train coming out of a station and hitting you in the face. Not utilizing the full potential of <laughs> yeah. 3D, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. Jackass 3D does. Yeah. But we had to cut out the dildo. All right, you understand? It's a kids movie. I couldn't fucking do it. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm glad you like it, Zach. I know. But me, I'm like this movie's boring. Hey. You know what it is, though? Cinema. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to read Corinne's list? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, Corinne still sent in at least three of her film selection in 2011, and uh, here it goes. Hey, nerds. Sorry I couldn't join today. I had other commitments and wasn't able to make it to the recording, but I wanted to send in a top three list of my favorite films from 2011. I feel like 2011 was a good year in films overall, but not nearly as strong as 2001, at least for me. False. I've seen about 10 movies from this year total, and I don't have strong feelings about most of them. They're just kind of there. To give you an idea, Captain America The First Adventure would probably be my number four. I wouldn't mind revisiting it, but it makes me sad how many of my favorite British actors are in the movie and don't get any real screen time. Richard Armitage, Natalie Dormer, Jenna Coleman, J.J. Field, she spelled it wrong maybe, are all in it but they're probably on screen 10 minutes combined. So disappointing. Anyway, here's my top three list. Number three, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. I think it's appropriate that this movie came out exactly 10 years after the first one, and we're celebrating both those anniversaries this year. So considering The Sorcerer's Stone made my 2001 list, I think it's only fair that this franchise's film fi final film make my 2011 list. I remember going to see this movie on opening weekend. I was working a part-time job on the opposite, side, the opposite side of town and went to see this at the East Warren when I got off work one day. While I don't particularly like the seventh or eighth, while I don't particularly like the seventh book or the, or the seventh and eighth movies, 
I will say that I do appreciate just how much stuff the filmmakers had to pack in and how poignant some of those emotional payoff is. The late great Alan Rickman, for instance, fucking kills it in this movie. And I do like parts of the final battle at Hogwarts. Wait, Corinne doesn't like something? (laughs) There are several things that get on my nerves to both book and subsequently movie. The fact that the second half of the book and this entire movie takes place over a single day always bothered me. Harry and company managed to find and destroy four Horcruxes in 24 hours when it took them ages to destroy just one in the first part of the book. Talk about pacing problems. Also, how convenient that Friendfire just happens to be, just happens to destroy the diadem. Ugh. Sorry, I, these Harry Potter <laughs> words, I, I'm like, are these real words? Also, I'm also not a big fan of Ron and Hermione in either books or the movies, but especially in the movies. I felt like those actors just didn't have much chemistry. There are a few minor changes from the book to the movie that don't really translate. Harry and Voldemort fighting in Hogwarts courtyard instead of the Great Hall. It being emptied instead of a... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Ryan is distracting me. Harry and Voldemort fighting in the Hogwarts courtyard instead of the Great Hall. It being empty instead of a crowd of people around to see Voldemort's demise. Voldemort floating away as dust instead of falling over dead like a normal human. Those are little changes, but they frustrate me so much. Anyway, it's not my favorite of this franchise, but it's worth taking talking about and honoring with a spot on my list. Not only were the books a staple in my childhood, but the movies were too. Number two, Kung Fu Panda 2. Honestly, my number two and number one are inter- interchangeable, uh, interchangeable, but I'll talk about Kung Fu Panda 2 first. The Kung Fu Panda trilogy as a whole is pretty good. One is amazing, two is almost as good, and three is pretty bad, but has some worthwhile scenes. Admittedly, while some of the goodwill towards two is undone by three lo- three's lower quality, it doesn't mean the f- that the movie is bad. <laughs> I'll step away. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Corinne. Uh, uh, admittedly, while some of my goodwill towards two is undone by three's lower quality, it doesn't mean that this movie is bad. In fact, I praised this movie before and included it on my top 10 scenes and animated movies list, which is on the Real Nerds website. Go check it out. Kung Fu Panda 2 has an excellent villain in conflict that intertwines Poe's emotional journey with his physical one. We get some more details about his backstory and how Panda became how Panda came to be raised by a goose. I think the comedy is sometimes a little too overeager and doesn't quite land right, but that's okay. I remember this movie's more emotional scenes rather than its comedic ones. <laughs> Whereas this first movie, it tends to be the other way around. While the first movie, yeah. Whereas the first movie, it tends to be the other way around. And I think that speaks volumes. While Kung Fu Panda 2 doesn't succeed as a comedy, it does succeed more as a drama. Poe's emotional journey is a poignant one and it's realized in the scene as discussed on the website. I remember seeing this with my family at the movie man scene, movie machine, which was the theater inside the local mall, and we had a good time. If you have never seen any of the Kung Fu Panda movies, I highly recommend you give one or two a shot. Number one, question mark, Jane Eyre. This one, she put 2011 next to it. Like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> this one is probably my number one because not only is it a good movie, but this is the one where I remember my theater experience the best. The movie came out while I was at college, and my roommate Kelsey and I went down to see it at Liberty Hall in downtown Lawrence. Because I wasn't a big block, because it wasn't a big blockbuster, it was at the city's main theater. So we had to go to the indie th- movie theater instead. I think it was my only time in Liberty Hall, and I remember, rem- I remember it vividly. The movie was playing in a small upstairs 
theater while there was a concert going on downstairs. And during the quieter parts of this movie, there are a lot of, and there are a lot of them, we could hear the music downstairs so, so very clearly. So while not an ideal theater experience, it was a memorable one. I've since rewatched it under better conditions, and I really liked it. Surprise! Y'all know I'm a suck. You, uh, I, I think me staying up all night is finally catching up to me. <laughs> Y'all know I'm a sucker for Jane Eyre in any form. I read the book in eighth grade, a story for another time, and I really enjoyed it. This version is my favorite, but it, as I've said about Jane Eyre, there's probably something in every version I appreciate. Here, while they do trim some parts of the book, they leave in one plot line that often gets cut. In the book, Jane Eyre, after Jane has a fallout with her employer, fiance, Mr. Rochester, she leaves him and wanders aimlessly. She eventually found the Rivers family and lives with them for several months, recovering and learning to live a life of independent, uh, live a life independent of Mr. Rochester. She becomes friends with the sisters and the brother, Sin Jin, asks to marry her, but she refuses for a number of reasons. Sin Jin is a very important contrast to Rochester. Rochester has a very dark and storied past and is a bit of a Casanova. While Sinjin is a clergyman, Rochester is all about passion and emotion, while Sinjin is all about logic and reason. He asks Jane to marry him not because he loves her, but because he <laughs> believes she'll be a good wife and missionary. I know, hilarious, right? <laughs> uh, in fact, she loves another woman, but specifically pushes those feelings down, doesn't pursue a relationship with her because he believes she would not she wouldn't be a good missionary. Jane has a, yeah. <laughs> Jane has a very important character growth during this time, and many versions tend to gloss over it to keep the story focused on Jane slash Rochester romance. Additionally, this 2011 version has a very excellent production value and acting. I love Mac Michael Fassbender's Rochester and Judy Dench's Miss Fairfax. Mia Wasikowska also does an excellent job as Jane, finding a good balance between naivety and conviction. Overall, I highly recommend it, whether you're familiar with the Jane Eyre story or not. Thanks, nerds. Looking forward to listening to this episode and hearing Brad Butcher, my email. Love, Corinne. <laughs> you, do you think she's going to enjoy listening to it, me making fun of it the whole time? <laughs> she can't see what, she, what you're doing, but I was, I was laughing hysterically. All right. I, I received a list from Carol. Oh, good. I was hoping. Yeah. So uh, she actually sent this two weeks ago when this was supposed to happen. My bad. Hey, real nerds. Well, here we are again with another film explosion. Film Splosion. This has been a fun one to prepare for because there are so many movies that I love from this year. Rich and I have watched a bunch. There are still a few that we didn't get to in time, but I don't think they would have made the top 10 anyway. Here's my top 10 list from 2011. Number 10, Paul. I'm surprised how much I enjoyed this movie. Yes, it includes some stupid male humor and makes Christians look like we're all legalistic idiots, but I just can't help myself. It's too much fun. Number nine, The Muppets. I had forgotten how great this Muppet movie is. Watching it again after so long was delightful. Our family has used the term travel by map many times. Number eight, We Bought a Zoo. This is one of the sweetest stories ever. Well acted and beautifully told. Rosie the daughter is crazy cute and Elle Fanning plays a perfect, innocent 13-year-old. Number seven, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. This story has much to say about getting old and not giving up on life and not being afraid of change. It also deals with letting go of stereotypes and preconceived ideas about cultures we know nothing about. The characters are beautifully portrayed. 
Number six, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. This has to be on the list. It's Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise in, whoa, hang on to the side of the building at 130 stories up. It makes me a little nauseous watching it. Of course, it has lots of action in a story. So yeah, so Brad had the same feeling watching it. It's very, uh, yeah, agreed. Number five, Crazy Stupid Love. When I saw the trailer for this, I wasn't interested. Then James told me I need to see it and that he thought I would love it. He was so right. This movie is funny and meaningful. The scene when Jacob tells Cal's shopping, uh, takes Cal shopping and they don't show the wallet, but you hear the Velcro rip open. I almost fell off the couch. Then there's a scene where Jacob goes to talk to Cal in the bar and tells him that he has what he, what he has learned from Cal. That's what the story is all about. Number four, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. What do you know? A sequel that's really good. Maybe even better than the first. The scene on the train is clever and fun. Robert Downey Jr. and Drew Law are great together again. I agree. Number three, Captain America, the first Avenger, and Thor. Yes, I cheated a little bit. She's starting to get into the real nerd's way of thinking. We cheat a lot on these lists. Do what you want. I like it. I love it. But these two rate equally for me, and I had to get my list down to 10. I've seen them so many times over the years, I didn't need to rewatch them for this film explosion. Number one and two could be interchangeable, but they are totally different genres of movies. Number two, Super 8. The kids in this movie, they are amazing, so real. A couple of their scenes seem unscripted, just kids being kids. There's a lot of humor, mystery, and fear mixed in this story. I love the stories of the two families who didn't know how to communicate and how to grieve together. This is an alien movie with lessons to be learned, including, but not limited to, drugs are so bad. (laughs) This movie holds a special place because we saw it in Cincinnati with family there. After the movie, we all went to White Castle to talk about it. I, You know, she has great taste because it was also my number two. And her number one movie is Drive. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, number one, The Help. I read the book before the movie. This story is so beautifully told and had so much to teach us. I started writing here and realized I could go on and on about the stories within the story and all that we can learn from them. So instead, I'll just say that this movie is wonderful. The cast pulls you in to the lives of the characters, and it's a great movie. Agreed. We saw Creature. We saw Creature movie. instead. The most infamous uh, whammy Ryan's ever pulled in Real Nerds history. It's also the greatest award I've ever received from the Real Nerds. <laughs> Have you watched it yet? I haven't picked it up again, but I remember it you in don't the theater. Know you're missing out, bro. I know. No, I saw it in the theater when it came out because yeah. the kid come to our theater. One of the few that I, I shocked. Wait a minute. I was just reading around Zach's trash can, and it's in his trash can. What? what, the hell, what? Dude? That cost me four dollars. Uh, guys, guys, see the thing is, uh, it's not cinema. So. <laughs> not even open. Uh, she also has a, some honorable mentions here the lincoln lawyer and the descendants james recreated a scene running down the road when he was in hawaii on his honeymoon crazy mm-hmm. kid yeah <laughs> there are a few others that we have enjoyed revisiting and a few we still need to watch as always i look forward to listening and hearing your thoughts and recommendations except for all those horror movies sorry henry she's not gonna take your recommendations on horror oh all right that's fine <laughs> thank you for listening and reading and including me in the fun love y'all carol Great list, Carol. And <coughs> I'm gonna cough. Um, You're not allowed to cough on this podcast. Get the fuck out of my don't house. Don't worry, guys. I'm <laughs> vaccinated and boosted. <laughs> Ooh. Well, you're ahead of me. I haven't gotten boosted yet. Shit, I gotta do that. Uh, we also got another list from Heather. Um, she said, "Hello, my fellow nerds." I don't. I'm just. I don't know. Cheek deck. 
I mean, I remember Heather I having a jolly. Heather is a friend of mine from film school. Yeah. I remember having her a jolly voice about her. Yeah, very sweet. I've never met her, being. but now that's that's gonna set my brain as Hello, her voice. Heather. <laughs> <laughs> this is my list from 2011. Literally, the only movies I've seen from that year. So you can imagine some of them I would rather not put on the list. But what can you do? <laughs> Anywho, without further ado, oh my gosh, Zach, if you talk to her. Number one, Hugo. Damn right. Heather, you know exactly what's up. You're an actual real nerd. <laughs> number two, young adult. Damn number right. Th- yeah. Number three. I guess I should read these backwards, but she wrote the email this way, so I'm just going to read it. Oh, gotcha. Know. So the number one is Hugo. Yeah, number ten. one's Hugo. Oh, this is just Zach's list. Yeah. <laughs> two is young adult. Send her my list early. Uh, number three is Hannah. Number four is Captain America First Avenger, where I had it. No, this isn't my list, Heather. You got the ordering wrong. <laughs> number five is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part Two. I don't think number six would be one of her top films, Sucker Punch. Um, hmm. Number seven, she might like it. You know what? Yeah, everybody, everybody can like something. I can't remember if we went to see that together. If that was another group of my friends, but this is me and Sucker Punch when I saw it. Here's the wall to my right. Uh, number seven is pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides yeah that's fun fun (laughs) number eight is green lantern Mm. but green lantern does rank higher than the twilight saga breaking dawn part one this was the year of part one and she says thank you no heather thank you for listening and contributing to real nerds podcast yeah heather thank you so much and uh, and love and hugs to michael and the kids Hell yeah. So that was Film Explosion 2011. I want to thank everybody for participating. Zach for hosting. Brad for putting the Blu-ray together. Henry from joining us from all the way in New York City. Oh, and New thank York you. City. City dreams. <laughs> and thank you to Martin Scorsese for providing the best film of 2011. And, <laughs> and thank you for Michael Fossman for writing the best penis. <laughs> we can always go back to the penis. And Tom Cruise for providing the best running. Yes. Yeah. And Captain um, America for... Just being Captain America. Yes. Uh, next week is West Side Story. No, what are we seeing next week? Spider-Man. No, that's the following week. It's the 16th. Yeah, this is going to be the 10th. So there's one week and then Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> it's just, I'm confused because the, the shows are coming out overlapped. So yeah. next week or I guess on Monday, last week's is going to show up, and then this one's going to show up. Yeah, Guys, let's West just Side review Story House week. of Gucci. Yes, and then it'll be <laughs> the, Story the, the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, Nightmare Alley? Yeah, I agree. That <laughs> no, will be the best movie uh, of Nightmare all time. Nightmare Alley will be after Matrix. So yeah. it will go uh, Matrix, Nightmare Alley, and then another film, Explosion. And, and then, and then, yeah. and then uh, uh, Real Nerds, new for 2022. Does this mean by the final episode we'll have to settle all scores in the original run before it's rebooted? So, yep. like, are you and I going to finally have that fist fight to conclude our feud? Yes. Not fist fight. Cock fight. Hammer fight. <laughs> hammer fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean hammer fight. <laughs> Brad, hold up that hold up that hammer again, please. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for listening. We'll... Uh, See you in the streets next week. I'll see y'all in the sheets next week. Um, hey That's uh, that's my Jets and Sharks sna- finger snapping. 
I still love that Family Guy gag about what he, where he gets the dancing wrong. It's step, kick, step, twirl. Got it? I thought we just thought we were going to rumble with those greasy sharks. Now without five years of jazz tap and six years of ballet, we're not. From the top, people. Look, why don't you just go over there and stretch? <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. You waited all year, hear what the nerds have chosen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Film explosion. The Real Nerds Film Explosion theme song was written and performed by Bolonium. Check out Bolonium on iTunes or buy their new record, Snacktacular, from Needlejuice Records. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.